All right, let's hit it. We're recording. Uh, welcome back to the BMX in Our Blood. I'm psyched. I'm here with John, nicest man in BMX, Lee. Actually, I think he's the nicest person in BMX, Lee. <laughs> it's we, this is um, all genders included. Just uh, you won the whole the whole contest. I'll take it. <laughs> very you, very nice of people to to think of me that way. Absolutely, and you'll you'll hear more more detail about that through the course of this podcast. But uh, I just wanted to take a minute. Thank thanks again, Powers, Chad, PowersBikeShop.com, and also the uh, the supporter of just being a supporter of BMX in general. So Chad's been great, and uh, I appreciate it. So support people that support the sport and uh, and podcasts like this and by the way everyone look up all the different podcasts that are out there right now uh i think all of us podcasters need to really bmx podcasters need to really push each other's podcast in and open the ears uh just you know get another another set of ears on bmx so uh i would would really love to see more people sharing. I share as many as I can of the podcasts that that are that are uh, that are new, uh, and people that have just been putting their heart and soul in it. I know what it feels like, and it's it's a lot of fun. And give these guys a listen, and I'll continue to post as many as I can. Names of podcasts. So I'm here with John Lee, and John. Everyone already knows is the best, but something we'll talk about later is a radio show he does once a week and when we were when we were setting up the uh the levels here on my janky little phone and and mike we were talking about how how john opens his show his radio show so it's very appropriate that he's going to say this so i'm going to have him do the i call i guess we'll call this the, the disclaimer or what do we call yeah this? when i do my radio show we uh do a general disclaimer to kind of just catch all for FCC, you know, rules and violations that we may or may not pay attention to. Uh, So this program may contain language or material that some may consider offensive. The views expressed are those of the hosts and the guests and may not reflect the management of the BMX in Our Blood podcast. Uh, We carefully want you to consider whether you or your children should continue to listen. That's perfect. Fuck yeah, John. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, am, uh, can I can I swear on your podcast? Uh, and you own this because stuff comes out sometimes. Well, you know, I I don't curse often, but I do curse, so I may let some fly, and we can bleep them out if we really need to. <laughs> well, I was considering turning this into a nicest guy contest, so. Maybe that'll be it. Like whoever has a lower, the lowest count of uh, of swears will um, will win the nicest guy contest for the for the night anyway. All right. Well, we'll see. Well, we'll see after this if I'm still the nicest guy. That's you right. Know, some skeletons may come out the closet. <laughs> we'll see. People. Well, you know how people love drama. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So anyway, just you're you're tough to start with because if I go all the way back to Long Island days. Um, we could spend hours on that alone. So um, I'm going to skip the, the beginning part because some of that might come out in some of the questions. We have a 
a whole section on trails, so it's uh, it'll be it'll be good to hear what you have to say on that. I want first of all, I want to know what it takes to be the 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 nicest guy in BMX because <laughs> I I've been trying, I've been I've been kissing hands and shaking babies and yeah. So anyway, I I'm trying to be the nicest guy in BMX, but I can't take your place. So uh, <laughs> well, it's uh, I think. Steve is the one who uh, gave me the nicest guy in BMX uh, tag. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if if there's anything that like, you know, you want people to think about you, you know, like I'm, I'm stoked to have that. Yeah. Uh, I guess it really kind of comes down to you know how you treat people, and I would hope that everyone that I come across with. I treat them in a manner that I want to be treated and respect them in the same way. Um, I know we all have our, you know, highs and lows and points in our lives and stuff where you may not have the best experience with with a person. Um, but I always try to, you know, at least treat people how I want to be treated, give them the benefit of the doubt, and you know, assume everyone everyone's pretty awesome unless you, you know, prove me wrong, you know. You know, if you really want, if you really want me to think you're a jerk, like you're gonna have to work work hard for it. Um, and I just, you know, want, like to be as honest as I can with people. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and just kind of be open and honest. I think it's great. It is the reason I'm here tonight. And by the way, we're in uh, John's apartment in lovely downtown Binghamton. I wish. More people would uh, would be a little more aware of that, uh, but uh, hey, we all we can do is what we can do with uh, just leading by example. Right, right. Because we're all in this together. Um, you know, life, BMX. Uh, you know, whether you are at your local skate park, your local trails, your racetrack, however, you know, your street spot, wherever you you ride, um, we're all there for the same reasons. You know, mm-hmm. to have fun on our bikes. You know make some good friendships and bonds and like you know the the reasons that we ride you know change throughout the years you know for for everyone um but you're still there because you're all kind of share something mm-hmm. and um you know just having that respect for for another person it's just like hey you're there you showed up you know that counts you know right it should mean something yeah i i completely agree as you know, BMX BMX has uh, expanded in age range greatly just in the past. Yeah. I don't know, how many years would you say? Because I didn't get back into it I mean, until four or five years ago. People are riding longer um, and at a higher level for you know their age, and I feel like it's you know we have you know older BMXers who are you know in in their fifties, but we have guys who never stopped now. And now that are having families and their kids are riding, you know, um, so we're having this aging BMX population that you didn't have. Like, you know, pros growing up would be done. You know, you'd start writing. I remember writing off guys or or thinking people were old, you know, be like, oh, well, that dude's 18. You know, oh, that guy's in his 20s, you know, mm-hmm. and it was at least I'm fortunate enough to have had riders and role models that stuck with it that was just like, oh, well, there is no reason to actually stop. We can mm-hmm. 
keep riding as long as it's fun. Yeah. And um, it's it's awesome now that we ha- we're having a, a a mature BMX population, I guess. Yeah. Right. And and I like it, and and it seems to me that at least on the trail level, uh, I feel like we we all respect each other and feel like we're basically all the same age. You know, it just it's such a such a great spot to be i mean for the trails it's it's because we are it's like the generation who kind of grew up with the race trails and we stayed in the woods like we may not have uh and a lot of us just didn't leave didn't leave uh there's the the progression i guess we saw like we still visit other people's spots it wasn't getting the the as much media attention as everything else mm-hmm. um but in order to continue to, you know, to build trails and stuff, you have to be in it. Like, you can't be a casual trail rider. Right. You know, I mean, I guess we all, we'd call those guys dry guys. But, <laughs> right. like, the trails progressed at a level um, just between the way people build and the way people ride that, like, it was got to a point where it's like you couldn't just roll in to a set of jumps and start riding anymore like you had to be pretty fluid in that that activity um i think some people got hurt over it and you had Mm -hmm. for a period of time like trail nazis and and it was just because so much effort and energy was being put in that like a lot of people got protective over it Mm -hmm. it seems like there is a change there and uh for some for some trails i don't I've never had a negative experience at trails since I got back into it, and and uh, I appreciate it. It's a it, it makes it that much more fun. Yeah, you know, and I think people have mellowed out, mm-hmm. you know, because it was getting so slim for a while <laughs> with right. people coming to to jumps or really kind of showing interest. That like when you saw familiar faces kind of coming back into the woods you were like oh awesome like i haven't seen you in years Mm -hmm. i'm glad you're here (laughs) yeah some trails like posh i'll just i'll ride my bike obviously from the parking lot all the way over there but i won't i I just come because i'm a fan at that point (laughs) you know and, and you know i'll ride the top you know obviously the top section but but yeah, it, but I still feel welcome is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And it's still an awesome, awesome atmosphere. You can go hang out. And, it's a community. And, yeah. um, and you know, with the community, it, it is involving people of different generations, you know, different skill levels, you know, different backgrounds, you know, where the fact that you're there mm-hmm. is, you know, important because <laughs> it's yeah. like, that's what they're there for. You know, they're not there for just one person, mm-hmm. you know, to... You know, smack a lip, yeah, and just be angry at the world. You know, right? They're, they're there to be rips and and yeah. you know bring people together, right? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm going to uh, take on one one section. We you got a lot of questions, um, so I separated them in in one of the categories of questions that I had written down was nicest guy in BMX. So why don't we just finish up in the nicest guy in BMX? I know I know some things that you did with me uh since since I got back in and it was you know, you helped me kinda correct and refab that uh side hack that 
that I use for all the benefits and and did the the race with my son down in uh, uh, at Tulsa at the Grands. That was a cool project. <laughs> it was it was definitely fun and you guys are awesome for taking that on and doing it on your own time and getting that thing ready so my son and I could race it at the Grands and it was it was just so much fun and as you know that that had a everything to do as a as a purpose uh and that was to raise some money for you and Percy Owens at the time because um both of you well neither of you were asking but we all wanted to give and so we uh we did that and I'm t- I forget what that year would it was. be uh, that would be after yeah that was after the jam Okay. Oh, so I must have been extending it a, a bit further. Then. Right, because yes. I think the side hack, the side hacks went, went so well at the jam. Like the amount of yes. fun that everyone had with it, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like, oh well, like, let's see if you know, let's see if the grounds would like be into yeah. it. You know, you. Yeah. And uh, it's in like the AB, was it USA BMX. USA then? BMX. Yeah. Um, you know, got behind it and you know let you guys have a side hack event. <laughs> Yeah, that, which, which that is was, continuing, right? They still they still do it. Uh, we went to the one. I don't know if they if they had it the year before. I I don't think so. I think the first year they did it is when my son and I went. But it was um, it has continued. They still have it. The big challenge there is you can't pack that in in a DK golf bag. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's so you really have to drive there or find someone to bring it. Otherwise, I would do it again. But it it's it's time consuming and. We we had a we had a blast. Um, we had so much fun doing that, and it's one of those things that I think most BMX tracks should invest in having. You know, two so they can hold, you know, a couple races mm-hmm. where anyone can just hop on it. The bikes are equal there, and sure. you know, just you and your your partner yeah. can go at it. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know, right, and the race day. You know, uh, it's it, it's so much fun, and you're you're right. It's that that part would be pretty cool. They're a little harder to come by now, uh, since gosh, was it Walmart was making them? Yeah, yeah, Walmart had yeah. one that I think they paired with uh what, DJ Greyboy? And uh I, I think so. Because I know like he had one that was like an Odyssey Sunday kind of mix and okay. then was into those and I think that kinda became um the Walmart one, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, might be wrong, I might be completely wrong, but I believe Ben from GT, um, Ben Ward, yeah, put a lot of design time in it, and oh, wow. kind of uh, like you know, as like, as a friend, and been like, oh yeah, cool, and then it, it turned mm-hmm. into like this Walmart hyper deal, and he was just kind of like, ooh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he's like, I didn't know it was going that way. Yeah, the one I have is, uh, well. Not only is it sketchy because they're sketchy, but um, let's just say the FBM version that you helped me with, <laughs> I'm comfortable on that one. Like, I know nothing's going to break. I feel good. Awesome. But anyway, were you going to say something there? Well, I, with, the, with, with any mass complete like that, it's like you kind of get what you pay for. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, it is a novelty bike, so you shouldn't really expect <laughs> the world from it, you yeah. know? <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. I've gone through one set of forks on it. Um, <laughs> Not for me. Uh, it, it was I was doing another little fundraiser at our local track in Connecticut, the Torrington Foothills track, and um, 
somehow. I don't know how. But these people ended up going off the track and like from from straight to straight across the track until they finally hit the announcer's tower. And it was... Kids were fine, thank God. <laughs> but that thing was racked up. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, but yeah, it, I'm sure nothing was... was Heat treated or well, yeah, they, probably heat treat for strength. Is that right? Yeah, you heat treat for strength. Um, I'm sure the condition of the material was was pretty, you know, well, pretty low, and it's probably a low grade steel. Oh, yeah. You know, not even chromoly, no. and uh, it's just probably a high ten bike that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, but it has worked. It served its purpose. Uh, but yeah, if if, uh, if tracks did it like you're suggesting, they. They're either going to have to find some of those out there on eBay or something, or, hey, have FBM Fab one up. Yeah, give it's, me a shout. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was that, that was a fun project. Um, but anyways, you know, how you handled that uh, and helped out so much. And John and, I'm sorry, I forget the other guy's name in the shop. Or was it mostly you and John? Um, John Quartz and, mm-hmm. uh, and Mike Erb are uh, right. the two other guys in-house at FBM. Okay. And uh, yeah, there was another guy in the shop at that time, maybe not. Um, um a pro- Dylan, I think my, probably Dylan was with us at the time. Dylan, okay. Dylan Cole. Um, okay. I have to say, we're still on the reasons why you're the nicest guy in BMX. Uh, when I got hurt uh, last November and broke my leg, uh, you you sent me the most impressive <laughs> listing of BMX videos from the 90s on. Uh, it was amazing the list. I'm going to dig it up and and, and post it. But wait, maybe I shouldn't post on that. Uh, oh no! You, yeah, you care put about it the out comments there. on some of them? No, right. that's cool. Actually, I think I think any, I think the comments on some of them. I mean, they're all they're all great. I mean, any part of the history that can be of BMX that can be documented is awesome. Right, but not um, every BMX video is awesome, and like I'll. Right. You know, I'll call that one that's bad. For yeah, a bad video. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I guess that's what I was saying. It was they were they were listed on there, not necessarily in like best to worst. Was, you just gave me a little note, like, uh, all right. It it was kind of like, if you don't have too much time, you don't have to watch that one. Like, don't watch that one. But you really need to watch this one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that was that was really cool, and just you know, checking in, checking in with me, which a bunch of friends have done. Uh, you know, as they've been recovering, it's been it's it's such. It's such a nice feeling, and and you do the same with the podcast. You always throw me a text and tell me when there's one that really that you really enjoyed and got something out of. So, like it's one of those things that like when you when you're when you go have an injury and you're when you're recovering, like having human contact and having friends reach out and check on you really helps with the recovery process. it's nice that you know people are you know have your well-being in mind Mm -hmm. and it's at times like you know we all have busy lives for the most part and it's easy to kind of like glaze over on those relationships or you know kind of you need to kind of nurture those relationships and maintain them um and it always feels good to let someone know that you're thinking about them and um you know I know I there's some friendships and stuff that I've slapped on, and I just want to try to do my best to like you know let people know. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I 
do try to reach out to people and um, just let them know I'm thinking about them. You know, I think Steve's really good at that. Like, he uh, will reach out just being like, hey, what's up? You yeah. know, if I mean, I talk to him pretty regularly, but like, right. even when, uh, like, if some time's passed or he's traveling or something like that, I'll touch base and just be like, you know, non-FBM related, just like, hey, what's going on on a personal level? Right. And we check in with each other. And that uh, goes a long way. It, it does. And it certainly did with, with me. So I, I appreciate that. There's no way I'm going to win this contest, even just tonight. I mean, let alone, man, I may have to start doing four fundraisers a year or something. <laughs> Joe Lodato, are you really the nicest guy in BMX? I think, is there another guy that's even close with, with you? Uh, you know, I like, I mean, I'll, I'll take it. So yes, Joe, I'm the nicest guy at BMX, but, um, (laughs) no, I usually always say Matt Copeland. Um, Matt Copeland is just super genuine and nice. And you also know where you stand with, with Matt. Mm Um, you know, he, to me, is like if I had to give someone the nicest guy trophy, like yeah. it, it would be Matt. You want to borrow it for a couple months, <laughs> but th- that's very true. Uh, I really appreciate Matt, and uh, hadn't met him until recently, but instantly felt comfortable with him. Just a, such an awesome guy. So any anyone out there listening, he works at Profile. It works incredibly hard at Profile. Uh, you know, definitely follow him and just uh, just be prepared to be wowed. He's just a really nice guy. And there's an earlier earlier podcast from last. Oh gosh, I don't know when it was, but it was uh, I believe it was last fall that him and I uh, did a podcast together. So you can always look that one up too if you want to know more about Matt. Sorry, go ahead. Right on. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, he's uh, he's he's genuine and uh, he'll always give it to you straight. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, that, I appreciate that. And that's, you know, super respectable. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a hard, that's a hard line. Uh, because when you're, when you're friendly and you're nice, um, uh, it almost seems like sometimes you don't have boundaries like you should, you know what I mean? Well, so people, if you can balance that, there's, there's times when people, will they have that assumption that they can kind of cross your boundaries mm-hmm. or that you that you don't have one and you know not that they're going to take advantage of like your kindness but mm-hmm. they kind of don't un, or or they don't realize when they're you know kind of pushing their limits and and for myself it's like I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable but I do have my my boundaries, and so like you know, if someone is kind of reaching that point with me, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like snap and hit the switch. I'm just gonna be like, "Hey, man, like that's not that doesn't sit well with me," or like you know, I can't if they're asking something that I'm not able to mm-hmm. to do, I'll just tell them that, "Hey, I can't, yeah. I can't do that," <laughs> you right. know, and um, and. 
I mean, I hope that I say it in a clear manner that is mm-hmm. like understood, and you know, we're we're all only we can only do what we can do, you know, like mm-hmm. so. I, I just hope people take that as you know, um, maybe I don't know if it's being nice, but like just being honest. Right. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I I appreciate that. Is 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 there a dance tonight upstairs above your apartment? Um, my upstairs neighbor has a dog. Um, a big dog. It that like. <laughs> gets super stoked sometimes. Okay. And runs back and and, and down the hallway. So. Oh. As long as it's a dog and it's not, you know, a rat or something, it's like <laughs> huge, huge, huge rat. Um, but anyway, so uh, Greg Dixon from this time I'm going to say Fargo, North Dakota. But uh, Greg Dixon, this one's pretty hilarious. Being that you, well, I didn't even realize this. All right, this is wild because you just said Matt Matt Cop- uh, Copeland is uh, is the guy that you would share it with. Greg says, being that you and Matt Copeland are the two nicest guys in BMX, which one of you would win in a pillow fight? <laughs> if you really think about that question, you'll laugh your ass off because, oh, that's so funny. Because, because first of all, you wouldn't box because you might hurt each other a little bit. You're certainly not going to go bare knuckles. You guys would go pillows. And I think Greg's got a good point. <laughs> Who would win? <laughs> Greg, that was really funny. You told me I better, you better ask that question. Oh, gosh. Um, so, yeah, well, anyway, uh, throw him a bone. Who would win the pillow cut? Oh, wow. <laughs> Who would win a, in a pillow fight? Um, Be a tie. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'm going to say Matt has better pillows than I do, that mine are a little bit. Uh, flat and lumpy, um, so I don't know. Maybe that would go into my advantage, but um, <laughs> I'm gonna say Matt. Matt's got it. Matt's got it. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll test him this. Uh, well, I almost said this weekend. A couple more weekends. Maybe I'll dig up a couple pillows and uh, and and we'll just I'll find out how much of a good fight he is. Yeah, and then I'll let you know. As long as he doesn't throw like a profile hub in, in the in the in the sack yeah you know? <laughs> that would be yeah fortunately that would be unlike him but can never be sure ron lesniewski you know him he uh ron is originally from long island crazy ron l right crazy ron l uh and thank god ron is with us uh because he had a close call is it the end of last year yeah and he he's good now everything's great uh, but that, that was a bit of a scare. So he's healthy. Um, but yeah, crazy right now. He said, how does how how did one of the nicest guys in BMX come from the saltiest place on earth? Um. <laughs> um, Long Island? Oh, wow. I guess it's all a matter of perspective, you know, because I never considered it, you know, having like being like having like being salty um you know my friends growing up and my family growing up there were just they're just they were awesome so like it just felt as though you know like we had this amazing childhood and there, what was there to be upset about right, right. Yeah. uh 
Right. You know, moving, when I moved away and would go back and visit Long Island, that's when I was just like, oh, yeah, things are a little bit different here. Um, uh-huh. But it, it really comes to all, all to who you surround yourself around right. and what influences you want in your life. And like anytime I've been around people who kind of stew in negativity, um, I don't want that in my life. So mm-hmm. um, I'll, you know, keep them at arm's length or, you know, re- remove them from my life. <laughs> right. Like the right. certain people, I'm just like, well, you know, I'm not going to hang out with that dude. Right. You know, because, uh, you know, misery loves company. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people, you know, form this bond in, like, hating on things. Uh-huh. And uh, I never wanted to kind of fall into that that vibe or that trap, you know. Sure. Because it's like, it takes, it almost takes a lot of effort to see, <laughs> to do it, you yeah. know. Um, but you're like, oh, what can I talk shit on next? And it's like, yeah. it's not worth the time or the energy. Mm. I mean, obviously, some some of it's a, a a joke. I mean, a lot of the podcasts I've done yeah. down that way, it's there's a lot of salt talk. But um, I I think uh, I think the guys down there get it. I mean, on the on the joke aspect of being salty, like mm-hmm. you know, we give each other. We we always used to give each other shit, and mm-hmm. like that was just part of growing up and like part of the bond. It wasn't anything malicious, you know? And I think that's the the line you have to walk when it like, you are maliciously being angry or negative or trying Mm -hmm. to put someone down as opposed to just like busting your friend's balls. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of knowing your, your boundaries with people, you Mm -hmm. know, and being observant, observant of how you're, you know, how you're, contributing to how someone's feeling you know so if i was to say something that like i hurt someone's feelings Mm -hmm. um you know if i unconsciously did it like and i can see that you know they're offended or you know or you know uncomfortable like you apologize you know you you take you take responsibility for your actions in there or Mm -hmm. if you really don't care then you just (laughs) guess you just keep moving um but you know that's mm-hmm. uh, that's how I've always approached it. Like I never thought of like Long Island as a overall salty place. <laughs> it was competitive uh, back in the race days when it was racing trails. I thought it was competitive, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't negative. I... Yeah, we had a really healthy competitive scene. Yeah, um, and it made everyone a, a better rider, and mm-hmm. it made our spots better. And, um, you know, we, and we even, I think we, I don't know if the Pittsburgh guys knew this, but we even had like a little healthy competition with them too. Yeah. Like, um, right. or maybe we were just trying to keep up with them. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I always viewed it as healthy. I, everyone I met down there when you were down there, it was, they were great. They're all good people. Um, and still are, yeah, I think. Some of the best people. Yeah. I've never met. Right. Uh, so, Jake Hathaway, he wanted to know, he would like to thank you again for sending some old old boy stickers to me a few years ago. The frame was given to me 14 years ago from Scotty Oakleet. Given to me 14 years ago from Scotty Oakleet to get me stoked on BMX again, and it worked. So it's more of a uh, thank you. So I'm not what I'm not sure what old boy stickers well, you, are. You're welcome. Um, the old boy was a an FBM frame 
signature frame for um, Megilla, oh, um, Jeremy okay. Reese, and uh, the graphics, depending on you know which version you got, had like it said the old boy and it had like a container of milk on it because Jeremy drank milk <laughs> uh, at the time when like you know FBM was kind of known more for you know partying and beer drinking like but yeah. Jeremy never never drank mm-hmm. uh, his frame I guess the old boy was similar to um, Mike Tag's signature in the night train but mm-hmm. it was a little longer uh, top tube and uh, I think it had a slightly longer back end okay. uh, but it was you know kick ass trail frame and mm-hmm. glad it got you stoked to to uh get back on the bike and uh you know when you when you're ready for a new one holler, yeah holler at <laughs> yeah definitely and i'll quickly say that uh when you helped me with my frame build it was you made it incredibly easy for me because obviously i hadn't been in it in a bit so things had definitely changed there were more options that i basically you asked what my favorite frame road like you know which one felt best riding and um you know you helped me figure out how we could incorporate that into the custom so it's a pleasure to deal with you on that on that uh custom end it's it was great and you made my bike look really cool by giving me another uh the matching pad to the to the crossbar (laughs) pad that steve had given me steve crandall had given me and then you gave me the frame top uh top two pad so that was so rad and the stickers that you found i don't know how you did it but that bike gets a lot of attention well, a lot i'm glad i could i could help you out with uh with getting you a bike that you're you know stoked on yeah. you know one of the things when we do custom bikes at fbm is like it's really awesome being able to work with someone and build them you know exactly what they want or to understand what their what their expectations and what their riding style is to build them a bike that's suitable for that, mm-hmm. you know, because not every not every frame out there is for everybody, and mm-hmm. when you've been riding, you know, a certain length of time, you know, you kind of know what you like, mm-hmm. you know what you don't, um, and those slight little tweaks, whether it's a head tube angle or tubing diameter will give your bike a different riding characteristic for your style. Mm-hmm. And um, I like that, you know, I can, if I can do something that's a little bit different from some, for someone, or mm-hmm. they have an idea that like they're trying to convey to me, um, I like to, tr- to do my best to make that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we have the, the capabilities uh, like knowing you, um, I remember when you were a racer, what frame you rode. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember the, the, the teal bicycle motocross with the orange stickers, I believe it mm-hmm. had. Like, That's amazing. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, it's, I remember wow. you racing, like, I think you were super class at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, well, Joe looked good on that bike, you know. Yeah. Joe didn't look so good on the iron horse. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And the fact that I remember you, you rode an iron horse. And it's like... Crap! It was <laughs> busted. Sorry to bring that up. So, yeah. um, well, as as, as Daryl Daryl uh would call him, um, Daryl like something pony. He would call him the tin pony because they were like aluminum, these aluminum iron horse frames, and he'd be like, "Oh, a tin pony." Uh, you know, you watch people ride, and you can tell when someone 
is comfortable and confident on their bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it br- it brings out a whole level another level of their riding. And I kind of remember when you rode that bike, like just being like, "Damn, Joe, Joe, looking good out there yeah, on there." And um, it was the steroids, but whatever. Was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little did I know. <laughs> yeah. So even even now, like if I if I'm at a local skate park or mm-hmm. I'm at um, you know some trails and I see some ride, you know, mm-hmm. like you can tell if they're they're fighting their bike or they're uncomfortable um and you know i'll talk to them about you know an fbm frame mm-hmm. you know or like if there's something that they like or dislike about their bike usually uh when we get a custom order um and i talk to someone over the phone i try to like do a little bit of uh, be a little intrusive um mm-hmm. ask them about their riding where they ride try mm-hmm. to creep on their instagram a little bit sure see if i can see what they're doing and then kind of make some suggestions. Yeah. Um, if you're, if you have like a specific idea, and it's like this is what I want, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's like that's awesome. And then I try to tweak it to make sure that it's it's actually what is what you want and what is going to hold up for you know right. what you expect to get out of the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, with your frame, like the stickers, like I mean, I knew. Like, I made a bike, well, I still have it. <laughs> the bike yeah. that I'm riding is, uh-huh. like, I I made a, a frame for me that's, like, pretty retro. Um, like, I did the TNT stovepipe on it. I, like, use super uh, small diameter tubes. Uh-huh. Um, it's, like, pretty retro looking, but it's, like, perfect for how I ride. Yeah. And uh, because I did the, um, the TNT wishbone on it, mm-hmm. I asked uh, a friend... Uh, Brian Keel, uh, which I think Brian is in Ohio nowadays, but he had a um, he had a die cut uh, blotter, and mm-hmm. so he could make one off stickers. Yeah. And so I asked him to make me uh, like the FBM logo and this TNT esque yeah. uh, thing. And I had him made a, make in a bunch of colors because I was like I didn't know what color like what era TNT I kind of wanted yeah. to do, right. and uh, I still had some. And so when yeah. like I made your bike. Yeah, and you had the uh, you know the the DDR colors. I was yeah. just like, oh, this is like this is gonna come together awesome. Like, yeah. and it, it turned oh, out pretty sharp. God, it did. Yeah, I, wow, you put a lot of extra effort into these. A lot of, I think a lot of, uh, it becomes almost like a personal piece for you. It seems. Um, yeah, um, I like to be invested in, mm-hmm. in it, um, and I hope that the when I'm working with someone that they feel just as invested as I am that, Hey, we're, you know, we're making something cool for you mm-hmm. and specifically for you. And that, you know, it, it's not like, like myself and that, you know, we'll say FBM as a whole, sure. like, you know, that we care, you mm-hmm. know, like we want, and like, I mean, this is not to be like a, you know fbm advertisement but like we are a group of guys who ride bikes and we're no different than any other group who rides bikes Mm -hmm. so we want to be able to connect to everyone on the same on the same level um and treat everyone as as though you know i was making a frame for for you or from making it for my homie you know like just want to 
just connect with people, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, a bike is a, a big way of doing that. You know, it's like a, a very personal item, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an expensive item, you know, getting a custom frame. And, uh, when people are putting their, their hard earned money in there to, um, you know, we'd like to, you know, give them the best frame that we are capable of making mm-hmm. and, um, to the best of our abilities. Sure. You know, and uh, we've, uh, I, I hope, I hope we're doing that. I hope it's coming across, you know, to people. And I thank people who, who have, who have got a custom bike or, mm-hmm. you know, have just wanted to talk about it because who doesn't like talking about bikes? <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's, no, it's absolutely true. Well, you, you absolutely accomplished that with me. Uh, and it was one of those, um, one of those deals where it just worked out so so well because the bike felt good it felt it felt really good and uh everyone just everyone knew i was trying to get a bike back uh from that time period that i that i was in in the 90s and um and the bike looks like a 90s bike <laughs> which is what it was supposed to be and with those little those little extra touches it's it's awesome, but that bike's been fantastic. You know, awesome. It's probably been two years, maybe. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's been almost time for another one. All right. When when you're ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Nick is out doing my friend, my friend Nick Kepper show, who uh, you guys will see in the podcast announcement. He had a um, a bike built by FBM. It's actually the the Circuit Anchor yes. bike, right? Um, Circuit is one of the one of one of the shops that we work really close with at FBM, mm-hmm. Vic uh, really supports the the brand. He, he's close friends with Steve and myself, mm-hmm. and uh, it's awesome being able to work with his shop and uh, do like a small production run of, of uh, frames. And so um, this is the might be the third run of anchors that we've done really? for him. Um, you know, there's a small, small run mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome because like, I can look at one of those bikes and be like, oh yeah, like he'll, you know, he'll send me the, the, the build list and it's like, yeah. all right, you know, we're tweaking like here's things here or there, you know, maybe someone's getting a cable guide right. tweaked to the left or yeah. whatever, but it's cool because like, I'll see like 90% of those bikes this summer. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, all right, awesome. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you will, right? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a good chance at that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a, seems like a great partnership to me and, uh, and Vic and Kara are, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, they're, it's, it it's comes down to it's friends working mm-hmm. together. Yeah. You know, and, right. you know, try to make something cool. Right. And I get to handle the frame, uh, the, the anchor frame tonight when I bring it on back to Connecticut. So, uh, so uh, yeah, tomorrow uh, Nick's so excited. He's I I probably won't get home till one or two. I think he's coming at seven <laughs> to pick up his bike. Uh, right on. I told him I said go for it. One more on the uh, the nice guy in BMX, and this is from Superfly John Scavarla. Uh, oh, maybe there's a couple more. Man, you got a lot in this on this part. By the way, I think we're even on swears now. All I right. Be- I believe you used the S word a little bit ago. <laughs> oh, not as not oh, as shoot. strong. <laughs> <laughs> right. Dang it. Um, 
maybe we should have a, a, a point system like a the 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 f word should be like four points and maybe the s word is probably a little less it's probably a, probably three damn it's probably a one All right, so <laughs> we'll work it out we really need to we should have gotten Chris Hancock over here. He could have kept track for us. He could have kept score. Right. I should have sent him a message. Right. Um, Superfly wants to know, does it ever get hard being the nicest guy in BMX? And we kind of talked about that. But uh, he also wants to know, do you ever just want to call a dope a dope and call someone out when they're being a kook? Um, yes. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, this is shocking to me the, <laughs> that you answered that already that way. Um, do you mind rereading the first yeah. part of the question? First part. Uh, does it ever get hard being the nicest guy in BMX? Okay. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't ever sit there and go, all right, well, I got to be the. I, I have the stigma of like I, I got to be nice to people, um, mm. but you'll have I like I'll have days where like you know I'm not feeling so well or like there's something going on in my life that uh-huh. you know is stressful and like writing is kind of the thing that one of the things I do you know to kind of release that mm-hmm. and you know as an example like um, I remember going to the skate park uh, this place it was called Cranks yeah um, that was up in Syracuse and you know I was. It was a particularly rough week at work, and you know it's the middle of winter, so you know you're just you know you're not riding as much. The days are shorter, so just sure. general dread, I right, guess. Right. And I was riding, and you know, first couple laps there, just kind of getting into it, and. Chris Hancock was with me, and we went <laughs> we went past this kid, and he goes, he says to me, "Hey, you want to help me adjust my bars?" And I looked at him, I was just like, nah, I'm good, like, and then Chris just starts laughing, going, yeah, so much for being the nicest guy in BMX, and I was like, well, Chris, he asked me if I wanted to help him adjust his bars, and like, no, I particularly don't, I'm riding, like, I don't want to, like, it's four bolts, like, I'm sure he can figure it out, like, and (laughs) he, like, Chris gave me, just like, you know, gave me shit for it, for our uh, for months, you know, about it. But, you know, like, t- I don't, <laughs> like, in hindsight, like, yeah. you know, did that kid really need, didn't know how to adjust his, his stem? I don't, I don't know. But, like, yeah. I hope he wasn't, you know, I, like, you might think, oh, that dude is a dick, you right. know, because I, I don't know, because I was being honest, <laughs> being <laughs> right. honest with him. Like, right. um, so you get like I I'll think about things like that every once in a while to be like oh you know like hopefully I didn't come across but I'm not losing losing sleep over it right, you know right. like if it's something that I know like I could have handled it up <laughs> a better way like and I had the uh, ability to kind of you know go back and sure. do that I I, I will mm-hmm. um, but no if someone's being you know, if someone's kind of like being rude or being a dope, like we have a responsibility to tell people when, when they're when they're when they're like that. Um, if you are, if you don't know, or if it's like, you know, common to you know, common nature for 
for that person. If I don't, if I don't say anything, it's only perpetuating the problem. Um, and it's just a matter of like how you would say it to that person. You just, if they're being offensive, you know, you don't have to be offensive back to them. You know, you can, you can say it in a manner that you feel comfortable with. Hopefully, you know, get get that person to, you know, see your point of view or, um, you know, take responsibility for for their actions and behaviors i guess mm-hmm. um but yeah there's some people who are just like some people just don't get it you know and like not everyone is and you gotta understand that too you know right right could have used you a couple weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> but um anyway anyway those that know know um so Casey Smith, he said, I ran a struggling bike shop from 2002 to 2004, and you were extremely courteous and helpful during that time. This was a stark contrast to some other distribution uh, sources. Thank you so much. Um, I didn't realize Casey had, uh, was running a shop. Um, well, Casey, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm helping rug, running a struggling bike company, <laughs> and... Uh, you know, anything that, you know, anyone who's purchased an FBM product, a shop, you know, a, a rider, mm-hmm. um, it's helped. It, it, it helps us continue to, uh, you know, try to make BMX a better place. Right. Um, and it's like, we're, we're a small operation. Most of the shops you know, that are you know, core BMX shops, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're on thin budgets too. Yeah. And it's like, we have to work together in order to, to make a head, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I know some distributors in, have, you know, minimum buy-ins and are a little bit harder about, you know, what a shop is and mm-hmm. you know what they expect to make um or what that shop has to commit to doing mm-hmm. in order to sell their product um and like i i i understand it mm-hmm. but not every body is in that position and not every company that can can do that so you have to find and work with people to make your dream happen and their dream happen mm-hmm. um and yeah like any any small person who's you know trying to get something going like that's that's awesome like we need we need more right. of that you know so thank you casey um yes yeah. stoked <laughs> yep matt botler he wanted to say this is going to be a good podcast well, i hope i hope so far you like it matt if you made it this far so yeah, Matt Bowser says this is going to be a good podcast. He said, I have lots of great memories with John Lee and the Oak Park Cruise. More of a comment, and I just wanted to throw it out there, because Matt's a pretty amazing guy in his own right. Matt is awesome. Um, you know, me and him, we grew up pretty close to each other, mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, was one of the first guys that I met and brought to Oak Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we... We hung out a bunch. Um, his his family, you know, was always super kind and inviting. Mm-hmm. And you know, Matt was one of the guys who kind of like introduced me to the rest of the crew. And um, oh. and yeah, we like we spent a lot of time together. Like, 
he was also just a little bit older, so he got his license before us, and his parents had this uh, this awesome car. I don't remember what type it was, but it had mm. like it was one of these like you know big boat cars, and uh-huh. had it had the trunk for all the bikes, and so oh, like man. Matt would would be the dude to like load up the bikes for the for the winter trails, and yeah. or like if we needed to ride somewhere, or even just. Like one of the things like you do on Long Island as a teenager is just kind of cruise around. I don't sure. know if people still do that. Yeah, we cruise around in Matt's car. Right. And uh, I have a distinct memory of cruising in that car, and the first time I ever heard Liquid Swords uh, by uh, um, sorry uh, the Jizza um, uh-huh. was in his car. An wow! Amazing album. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, before we. Yeah. Before we get off Boxula, I actually have, um, And, uh, well, quick shout out to Matt, because Matt is a cancer survivor. You got something over there? I got something over here I gotta pull out. This is related to Matt? Obviously, right? So what's this? Whoa! I saw Jimi Hendrix on the back. Whoa! Alright. Tell me the story. Jimi Hendrix experience record? open it up and look on the record there's like see the uh the name gail yeah uh this was his mom's record and really? uh yeah yeah she had, she yeah. had given it to me and uh yeah it has her name like as she was oh my you gosh. know a teenager wow doodling doodling on this that's amazing yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> it's my pretty gosh. pretty awesome that's that is really awesome. Uh, all right, so geez, we could almost do like the uh, the wheel of John Lee's life and just spin it and click 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 and land on different subjects and keep pulling questions because <laughs> there's just that many. Awesome. It's like uh, Jeopardy or something. Let's uh, let's do the FBM questions and then we'll uh, and then we'll uh, move on to God. There's a lot of different things. Awesome. Um, so, FBM questions. How did the job come to be with you, uh, and how long have you been with FBM? Those are a couple of my questions that I, I don't know the answer to. So, my relationship with, like, FBM, it kind of started back, whew, um, in the in the late 90s. Um, I had met Steve at, at races when mm-hmm. he'd, like... Sat, Ben shirts and and videos and I had met him and and Mike Tag and 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 Jeremy, um, you know, and we we got along so we'd see each other at at events and just like we'd hang out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a kill yourself jam at Seven Eleven Trails, like probably ninety six, I think. Um, ninety six, maybe ninety seven. And um, Steve came down, uh, and you know he was he was there heckling everyone and and uh-huh. whatnot. And you know we hung out a bunch there. And he asked me like we exchanged numbers and everything. And uh-huh. he called me up uh, like a a couple days after and was just like, hey, you know, would you want to ride for FBM? And I was like, um. I don't know, man. You guys are pretty loose and wild. Like, I'm kind of, I don't really know if I, like, fit in, <laughs> right, right. you know, essentially. And he's just like, oh, well, we're having, um, you know, there's a 
we're having a jam up at uh, at FOD, uh, which is uh, the trails that were at Kim and Kelly Baker's um, oh, okay. parents, uh, which is right outside of Ithaca. It's um, in uh, I think Slater Slaterville Springs. Okay, and so uh, we took a trip up there, packed in Mike Camerata's Daruki van. And uh, it was like me, Morales, um, Matt Veach, uh, I believe Tara, um, Superfly, and mm. rode FOD. And like, you know, once I kind of was up there um, and like hung out and all that, yeah. like, I was just like, yeah, cool. Like, yeah. yeah, I'll totally ride for FBM. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, we just became really good friends. And, uh, I guess, like, FBM didn't turn into, like, I was just part of, like, the crew, you know? Like, cause mm-hmm. it, I mean, it was a company, but it wasn't what it is today. This sure. is, like, before the machine shop, before making bikes or anything. It's, you know, right. just, hey, here's some T-shirts. And mm-hmm. uh, and we went on a couple cool road, road trips. Like, one of the, uh, the road trips we went was for filming on Albert Street. And oh, it was, okay. like... Hey, just you know, come up to Ithaca. We're gonna you know go to some spots, and then you know oh. we were on the road for like two weeks, and yeah, came back and was like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just we just became really good friends, and um, it wasn't until like I went to college, like because I went to college here in Binghamton, um, but when I did, I I didn't put the connection the geographical connection of where FBM was to where I was going. Like, I was just going to Binghamton because, like, that was the college, that was one of the colleges I got into, and I was like, all right, well, mm-hmm. they got a good program, I'll go there. Um, and it wasn't until, like, I was at the skate park one day, and, like, Steve uh, <laughs> Steve came, and I was just like, what are you doing here? And he's... Oh, no. He's just oh, like, wow. he's like, this yeah. is the park I go to, and I was like, oh, well, I live here now. And he's just like, oh, that's awesome, you know. Oh my gosh, does that mean when you were through with college, that's when you when you ended up uh, working for FBM? No. So when I um, when I was going, when I was finishing up college, um, you know, FBM was they had already had the fire, mm-hmm. and they were starting the machine shop, and. Um, we're going to start getting a distribution going, mm-hmm. and at the time, FBM was um, distributed by Tip okay. out in um, in California, and um, you know we would have conversations about it. And I was just like, I don't know, something about the the Tip Plus FBM relationship just seemed a little a little weird, you mm-hmm. know? Like I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like something seems a little off. Like you guys should probably just do this yourself, right. and. Uh, you know, they, he offered me, he was like, hey, you know, well, you know, if you want to like, if you want to, you know, do it, like, you know, how about you work for FBM? And like, it was like, this is kind of like a general range of like, you know, what we need to sell to kind of like do it. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's cool. Let me think about it. But realistically, like at that time in my life, I was like, nah, like I didn't really want to do that. Um, you know, I wanted well, I actually went a whole different route, <laughs> uh-huh. um, and, you know, and that's kind of being, getting involved in music more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was like years later, um, about four, 
four or five years later, I uh, was really burnt out of uh, living in New York City and Brooklyn and, and just the kind of the music scene in general. And I was just like, man, like, I want to do something different. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I interviewed because S&M was looking for um, a salesperson. So I went out to California and uh, had an awesome time, like mm-hmm. hanging out with, uh, with Chris Moller for the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Robbo came in because like Fithead was, was, was going at this oh, point okay. and stuff. And um, hung out with those guys. And I remember like at the end of that trip, I called Steve and I was just like, hey, you know, like I went out to S&M and I was like thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. potentially going out there for a job. And he's just like, well, we kind of need someone at, at FBM. And I was like, oh, well, well, what, what does it pay? Right, right. <laughs> Essentially, I'm like, well, what's the like, what's the deal? And like, mm-hmm. I came up and talked to, to Steve and Mike and um, of what they needed and what like, you know, uh, what I needed and. Mm-hmm. our expectations and uh yeah like decided to you know start working together mm-hmm. and so i moved up here in like um i think it was 2007 end of 2006 2007 mm-hmm. roughly um and started working for fbm and uh have been them been with the company ever since wow that's amazing so this uh did you start after the uh the completes uh or or before? Uh, before the completes. Oh, so you were there and John Paul came after... Yeah, so... Um, after you and... So when I originally came, it was, uh, I guess, for, as far as... Kerry, Kerry Sayer was with FBM. He had he had left and moved back to Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Jeff Harrington and myself um, in uh, Last Call Distribution. Uh-huh. Um, in the shop, it was uh, Big Dave. Um, Harrison? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, and big Dave, like Dave and I's relationship goes back, you know, pre FBM. Like, um, so like it was rad. I was like, oh, cool. You know, Dave's yeah. there. Um, John Quartz had just started with FBM a couple mm-hmm. months before. Ken Musgraves was there. Um, John Quartz's brother Mikey um, was there. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Dylan was starting um we had this crazy dude named jim bag who's like a tool maker um he was there he yeah he was a wild character man um i think steve talked about him in his podcast that i did yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's starting to connect so we had like this solid it was a solid group of guys that Mm -hmm. were like more motivated and all super talented and uh i was like awesome like i'd love to be a part of it um, and also I had made a lot of friends within the Binghamton area, so sure. it was like, cool, I'm going back to, you know, yeah. something that'll be, like, comfortable and, mm-hmm. um, you know, potentially working with some, working with friends and potentially be able to do some cool stuff. Right. Um, then, you know, um, Jeff Harrington, he left and John Paul, um, came and then when John Paul came, he uh, he was doing the complete bikes mm-hmm. um, and uh, a lot of the other like overseas parts development and stuff yeah. and graphics. He like 
John Paul did a ton, and working with him was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, he he made that place super interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I learned a ton from him. Um, you know, it was uh, de- definitely an experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, I've always been interested in the completes that that part of FBM's history. Um, and oddly enough, my son's uh, first and only BMX bike was the the guillotine, which we used. Well, <laughs> we, you, you corrected a problem, but anyway, we, uh, so we had the guillotine, and uh, it obviously mass production, not not quite the same, right? As en- entry level, your, super entry level bike. Yeah, yeah, not something should be attaching a side hack, a sidecar to. <laughs> Probably, but <laughs> no. but anyway, we swapped we we swapped that. Up. But it's funny because we had, you know, uh, we we bought him the guillotine, and I had no idea, you know. Obviously, I knew who FBM was, of course, from from years back, but I didn't even realize that that was part of this progression that the, you're talking the, about. That it was even the, the same FBM, or yeah, like kind of was it bought out? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was. It it was. I was surprised because actually when I left. There weren't. It wasn't even a machine shop when I got out of BMX in right. ninety seven, ninety eight, right? So there right. Was the still machine shirts shop, and videos. Yeah, the machine shop didn't start until I guess I guess I guess they probably started the machine shop in mm-hmm. uh, two thousand. Like started yeah. building it, mm-hmm. maybe a a one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to get the the, no, the exact right. the exact dates. That's all right. Uh, well, we know how long you've been there, and uh, and you know that that knocks off a question from Steve Crandall, <laughs> which was uh, talking about early trips to uh, Ithaca with the Long Island crew, which you which you were talking about. Us going to Ithaca mm-hmm. for like Long Island kids yeah. was drastically different than anything else. It was like we go up there. And our minds were just blown with how wild those dudes were. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like like yeah. we were just like like jaws like just dropped um, and like because we had never seen I don't want to say people behaving so badly right, or poorly, right. <laughs> but like there wasn't really the space on Long Island to get yeah. that loose. Right, right. Like, we didn't have, like, our jumps, for the most part, were behind businesses, in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, they weren't in, like, privately owned fields where right. it's just like, oh, well, we can start a fire here and, and it's our fire. <laughs> you know, like, and yeah. we can make it as big as we want because, you know, no one's going to come right. and put it out. Like, you know, that was a super, like, we're like, holy crap, like, <laughs> like this is this like we don't know if we're safe yeah. and it was exciting like that right. that level of it mm-hmm. and like that trip I remember I I hit this jump um and I it was like FOD was on a on a hillside mm-hmm. and they had some pretty big jumps and like I remember I hit this one jump and I was like feeling out the section and it was just like hit the first one, hit the second one. It's just like, all right, I think I got it. And like hit the third one and like massively over jumped this thing. Like I landed, fl- I landed so flat that <laughs> I sprained both of my feet. 
Oh, and God. not because like my feet blew off the pedals. Like I landed so flat that my feet crowed over the pedal, and like I sprang, like look, sprang both my feet. Like, oh, and the dudes had to pick me up and like carry me back. Oh. And I'm sitting in this in this field with my <laughs> shoes off because like they're swelling. Right. And I'm sweating. I can't get up and go and get anywhere. And so I'm just watching the mayhem. And, like, I'm looking over at this cooler of beer. And, Uh like, I don't drink or anything, but I'm not. I'm in the hot sun. I'm looking at that cooler of beer. And I'm just like, damn. Like, one, like, a cold drink would be awesome. But two, I was just like, I really want to put my feet in that cooler of ice. (laughs) You know, for the swelling. But I'm like, if I put my feet in in this cooler of ice with these dudes' beers, like, I'm probably going to get my ass kicked. You know? Like, so I was just like, I'm just going to sit here and not do that. Because <laughs> I, I, like, I was like, I don't know what is acceptable right. and what's not up here. <laughs> it was like a different world and um, an eye-opening world. It was like, nice to see, like, some a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, because like on Long Island, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, certain norms and like when you kind of, right. until you get out of your comfort zone, um, you know, you don't, you tend to, to not be as open, mm-hmm. you know, and I, it was able, that was one of those eye opening things that I was just like, oh wow, this is, this is, this is how other people live and it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh man. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, expanded on that because that's probably what Steve was talking about or, you know, stories like that, uh, where I was just thinking you had an update with Matt and all, and, and the, the rest of the crew. So it, um, yeah, like that, that trip is another a hilarious one because there's like, there's footage of that. Um, like I forgot what video it is, but one of the FBM videos, like Morales takes like a swig of like whiskey because like, and like basically like he doesn't throw up, but like, you know, you could see the, the look of disgust on his face and like uh-huh. he wasn't a drinker at all either yeah. um not like none of us were at that time um mm-hmm. but it was like well when in rome like you know yeah, crandall right, right. was like egging him on for something and he just like like it was probably like crandall and 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 kelly baker and we're giving him shit and he was just like oh yeah you know like I'll take a swig to just like shut you guys up, you know. Like it's not going to get them hammered or anything, but no. like it was just one of those iconic moments. Like I look at, it, I was just like, oh yeah, I was there that day. <laughs> That's great. There's also a um, there's also like this part that I'm told like in one of the FBM videos, it's like Kim and Kelly Baker are fighting. Like it's just like and and at the time, like I'm. The, the girlfriends at the time they get involved and like they're jumping on each other's back trying to split it up and these, <laughs> these two brothers are going at it right because like Kelly and Kim like God. they when they fought they fought hard it wasn't like oh wow. you know and it's it's one of those like wild things you're like oh my goodness these guys are gonna kill each other right like I find out like years a couple years later about it um, from Chris Hancock that that fight was about was over him like, because it's like goes back to like um, some jumps that oh, some other jumps that existed somewhere that like Chris essentially got banned from going and he shows up at this trail jam and there's like oh. beef and like Kelly doesn't like like Hancock at the time, but like Kim does and like, oh, but man. they, 
<laughs> and they get into this fight over it, and Chris is just like, I'm just going to leave, you know? Right. Like, when he told me that story, I was just like, oh my goodness, like, like I always wondered what that was about. And I was like, what's about you? Oh, God. That's, <laughs> that's funny. Oh. Um, I never fought my brother like that. Uh, <laughs> man. Do you have siblings, by the way? I do. I have uh, three older sisters that are absolutely amazing. Um, I'm the youngest in my family. Um, baby John. Yes. I'm the baby and I'm the only boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that granted me a lot of, um, I don't know if it's special treatment, mm-hmm. but I guess leeway. Um, mm-hmm. My parents at that point were probably like, all right, having kids, you know, like pretty easy. Like they're not he's not going to kill himself like he's pretty resilient and then like being a boy uh-huh. you know I did have some privilege of things that I didn't have to worry about like sure. that they had to be more concerned about with girls um, right. and they were just like you know first time parents versus like you know your last kid yeah yeah they, they kind of had it down so yeah right but yeah I have three uh, three older sisters that um, Susan Nikki and Sandy who are They're just amazing. Like, yeah. they are... Mm, ah, I guess it's like... They're my family, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, the love that my sisters have for me and the way they look out for me mm-hmm. is... Um, it's deep. Like, mm-hmm. they... Like, they're a huge part of my life and the way the reason uh, I I am who I am you know so I have a, a lot of respect for them I know you're gonna cry on me buddy I know <laughs> I'm gonna try to hold it together I but I probably yeah, will cry some point in this interview yeah. I should have put that in the general disclaimer <laughs> right <laughs> um, I, first of all I appreciate you uh, uh, because of uh, because of your relationship with your with your siblings is it's uh gives me some hope <laughs> and and as well as being very happy for you that you have that uh and so yeah that's that's amazing thanks um i have to ask about your parents now because uh good kids normally come from good parents so <laughs> so uh normally uh but anyway uh a little bit about your parents are they both uh are they both still with us um, yes, both my parents are uh, are still alive. Um, they, my parents are awesome. They're amazing people. Um, my parents are complete opposites. Um, and when I think about their lives, um, you know, in comparison to mine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, different time, different places, um, that they obviously had a lot. A lot of different things to overcome, but mm-hmm. they've had, they did the best that they could, mm-hmm. and they did such a good job of allowing us all to be kids. Um, you know, when my family went, has gone through some tough times, as a kid, like, I had an understanding of what was happening, mm-hmm. but I, it didn't... It wasn't a traumatic experience, you mm-hmm. know. It allowed, I still had the uh, the ability to 
just be a kid, you know, just to have that innocence and not to have to worry about any the financial stresses or like, you know, any of the like, I guess, social stresses and just things that like your parents have to deal with to support you and, mm. you know, to help raise you like they did an amazing job. And I really have to credit, you know, like they they both did what they what they knew how to do in the, in their way. Um, my mom is the most amazing woman ever. Um, when I think about some of the stuff that she's been able to accomplish, um, it blows my mind. Like, I'll be driving to work or, you know, just thinking about something of my childhood. And I'll be like, how did she pull that off? Like, and I'll, you know, give her a call and let her know, you know, like, how I appreciated it and was thinking about it. And, like, even to this day, it's baffling. Like, I'm like, man, you raised, like, three, you know, three amazing women and, you know one all right dude um (laughs) and like you didn't you didn't you didn't let us see you sweat like and Uh and that was awesome Mm. my dad on the other hand is was wild like and i think it's just come from his generation of dudes where they were just like they were just on another level like my dad our relationship as for me as a child to me as an adult or a man um, mm-hmm. is drastically different. Um, my dad is he didn't know how to relate to me as a kid um, and my mom kind of saw that. You know, she's just like they were going through some troubles within their relationship and like my parents split up when I was in fourth grade Mm -hmm. um but when they split up it wasn't like oh like like I was bummed you know it was like hey this our our relationship isn't working and like this has to change I don't want it to affect my kids so like you know you gotta go dude like and and Mm-hmm. you know figure it out on your end and like mm-hmm. you know he had some stuff that he had to work out too and you know my dad supported you know was able to like support me in the ways that he could um after the split yeah after the split but mm-hmm. like it's it's interesting because like you know I'm I don't have any kids mm-hmm. so like I don't you know I don't know what it's like to be a parent um you know, I, I have a cat who is, you know, pretty lazy. And the only thing I got to do is make sure he, he's fed and I change the litter box <laughs> and like it's good. But kids, you know, they require a lot, a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so my mom saw that the way my personality was as a kid, that my dad, his, his style of parenting would have been more like detrimental to my growth mm-hmm. um, at that time. So, like, she did what she needed to do um, to to make sure that, you know, 
I had the the best experience. And mm-hmm. you know, as my dad, like as I grew up, he was able to relate to me more, and like understood where I was coming from, and can and can talk to me as you know he would talk to you know anybody else. Because now um, you're both adults. We're both right. adults. Like he right. he wasn't able to relate to me as a child. He, um, he would always talk to me as if I was an adult, <laughs> you know, like even as a kid, which you, which is great, but like, you know, there's a certain level of being a, a sure. child that like, you know. Right. So your you mom saw get. that. Right. That happening. So I would assume, and I'm really sorry for interrupting. I just want to say this, say this real quick. It seems, uh, it seems like she knew that there was some negative exposure that you may have gotten if he continued to go that route and and being part of your life at that time Um, that you weren't ready for that, you know, exposure just, he had, she saw that like, he was kind of more like, he was a, he would have, I said that I, like because I'm not trying to like you know mm-hmm. make my dad my dad sound like a dick it's no, like he, no, he not at all. Like, um, but he was more of like I guess being strict he was more kind of like because I said so type mm-hmm. of thing True. um and you know he would he would be the one to um I guess discipline me in a way that like, I didn't understand where my mom was more like, okay, you're doing this, but why? And let me give you an explanation of why you shouldn't, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so like, you know, for example, like um, I'm really into remote control cars. Mm-hmm. Always have been. Yeah. Um, you know, I got one and I'd always take it apart. Like, and my dad, <laughs> my dad would be like, what the hell? Like, I bought you this remote control car and it's in pieces. Like, and so he'd get upset about it. Oh, I seen that. And I so, like, exactly. he wouldn't know how to, to, to deal with that. And I got even funnier one. Like, we had um, because this relates more to BMX. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, I'm probably in yeah third third grade ish. Mm-hmm. There is um. In my neighborhood, there's like this dirt area where we have jump, you know, mm-hmm. just a, it's just a single that we launch and stuff. And so my bike, I come home, you know, and I take the brakes off um, because, you know, well, I don't have any brakes. It's a little bit lighter, you know. <laughs> okay. And we're, I mean, we're talking like the Lee Chai, yeah, like yeah, yeah. side pull brakes and not like they're great stopping power to begin with. Right. So I, like, so I take them off. Right. And he's like, what happened to your brakes? And I was like, I, I took them off. And he's just like, why do you do that? And I was like, oh, you know, I didn't need them. And he's like, well, you got to have brakes on your bike. I go to school. Next yeah. day, come home. Brakes on the bike, you know? He put them on. No, he is not mechanically inclined. So he oh. took my bike to the bike shop. Put um, them, had yeah. them put back on. <laughs> so I get home, and I see that they're on there. And so what do I do? I take them off again. Oh, damn. Because it's, it's like, it's my bike, you know? Like... Oh. And like I know how to take off, so I take him off and like yeah. come back home again. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, "What happened to your brakes?" And I was just like, "I don't need them." Right. And so I come home next day, yeah. brakes on again, and I'm just like, "Well, this time I'm taking these brakes off. I'm taking them off at the jumps, and I'm leaving them there, not just <laughs> taking them off and leaving them in the yard." 
So I take them off the last time and I leave the pieces so so like they can't be put back on. Yeah. Come back home, new brake setup on the bike. Oh. And I was just like oh All right. I don't think I'm winning this one, but I'm gonna I'm I'm a little bit strong willed at this point. And so I'm like, let me take them off one last time. So like we're up to like four sets of the brakes put <laughs> on, like three it. sets three times maybe yeah. two sets of calipers and finally he's just like well you he's just like you can't do that you need brakes and i was just like well i'm not gonna have them like and finally he was just like all right you know like he gave up uh-huh. but like like i caught like i caught an ass whooping for yeah, like yeah, yeah. for that but on the other right. hand, like, my dad would be the dude who, like, would have my back on things. Like, mm-hmm. same time frame, we had this place we used to call the Mud Flats. And mm-hmm. it was essentially when the tide came in and out mm-hmm. um, from the bay, uh-huh. um, it became, like, the slick, greasy mud area. Yeah, and yeah. it smelt like death. Like, yeah, yeah. And so... We'd be at school and be like, all oh, right, we're going down there. And we'd like ride our bikes on it and you'd slip and fall and just slide and just get completely muddy. And so yeah. I came home and my mom was just like, I forbid you to go there. And because I came back filthy. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, bummer. Next day at school, like friends are talking, hey, we're going to meet up at the mud flats after. And I was just like, ooh, all right, I'm going. <laughs> and I go. And I come home, and I'm filthy with mud and everything. My dad's outside just smoking a cigarette. And he's uh-huh. just like, where were you at? I'm like, uh, mud flats? And he's like, what did your mother say? Um, I wasn't allowed to go, go there. And he's just like, he's like, all right, well, you know the deal. And I was just like, oh, no, like, I'm going to catch a whooping again. Yeah. He's just like, no, no, just, he's like, just take off your clothes, leave them here the door and go in to take a shower and so like you know struck down and going and like he had my back you know like yeah. he was able to relate to me like on certain levels but mm. as a kid like he didn't understand my kid logic on things like mm. but he understood the idea of like not getting not getting in trouble by my mom you know mm. like right. um so like you know my parents like are they're 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 amazing people and I guess like the older I get the amount that they what they did to kind of like give us a good childhood and to to be to be able to have a childhood is like very humbling and Mm -hmm. I'm very appreciative and even now like the stuff like my dad does like right right now like my dad my dad lived out in California and he like Mm -hmm. up and moved to like Sparta, Georgia which is a town in the middle of nowhere in rural Georgia and like it's one of these things that you know I had like I have feelings about it where I'm just like you know not really the greatest idea but like my dad's gonna do what he's gonna do and like part of me is like that's super respectful you know like I respect that and that's cool but Mm -hmm. You know, you got, you got other people. You know, you have families, so like, you can't always do what you want to do. You know, it's like, and you made that choice. So like, I'm like him and Han on like. 
I guess it's, um, I wrestle with the with some of his decisions as I get older because mm-hmm. you know they're not necessarily the decisions that I would have made, um, but he always like instilled in me and my sisters to do to do what makes you happy, mm-hmm. and like he's happy, so like I can't. You know, like, the feelings I, like, I'm glad he's happy. Like, that's rad. Right. You know, the feelings that I guess I have about it or something that, you know, I have to deal with, you mm-hmm. know, because, like, obviously I'd like him to be closer. My parents are, they're getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make sure that they have, you know, the amenities in their lives, you know, and the, the ability to, to see them and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, to, you know, as your parents age, you know, like, you know, your your relationships with them change. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see your parents age is uh, a lot to kind of deal with because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, like, you know, like, you know, mom isn't, you know, one, you think about your parents' mortality and you're mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, like, you know, they may not be here forever and you could, mm-hmm. you're going to come to a time where you have to, you know, essentially, you know, deal with that. And um, when I think about, like, I just want to make sure that my relationship with my parents and that they know how much I appreciated everything they've done for me and their, and how they gave it their all the best way they knew how. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a super long-winded answer, <laughs> but, oh um, yeah. you know, I, I love my mom and dad. Um my and your sisters and my family and uh yeah they uh the people the people that they are um you know reflect who I am mm-hmm. and uh same with my 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 friends you know I like the people that I choose to surround myself with and interact with you know are people that I hold you know mm-hmm. high opinions of and and close to my life sure I Really, really uh, appreciate and enjoy podcasts that that go this this direction uh, in conversation um, because it's it's um, it's not something that many of us talk about. Uh, maybe with your very close friends, but most people don't. Right, no. it's it's hard it, to have you know, certain conversations, there. because like you know we'll you know even like with people that we're close with mm-hmm. you know through BMX like, I mean I've known some guys you know twenty something years from riding and it's like we know each other through our riding mm-hmm. and and but we don't know each other on like an intimate level, mm-hmm. and crossing that boundary gets hard because like if you have like if, if there's someone I haven't seen in a couple months or maybe even a couple of years mm-hmm. and they're like oh hey john how's it going and i'll be like and i'm just like ah oh, you know like rad it's good to see you but like you know you know my parents my, my mom just had cancer and mm-hmm. like it's going through chemo and you know it's like there's some heavy stuff that you just like that you want to be able to share with your friends but like mm-hmm it isn't really the time or the place, you know, like, right. and they're not, some people aren't necessarily willing or able to take on what you have going on in your life, you know, because sure. like, we all, we all have a lot to deal with, you know, like mm-hmm. we all have things going on in our lives and like, 
you know, I can't put my stuff on someone else who may have their plate full, you know, but I can, or at least I try to, like, you know, find out what's going on in people's lives. So, like, if there is something that, like, I can help out with, mm-hmm. or they are going through something that, like, almost like, hey, you know, like, I may not fully have an understanding of this, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about you, and if you do need, like, to reach out, like, well, you know, I'm here for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Really, really awesome. Uh, um, I could definitely see why your relationships are so strong. Um, because they're the people that you trust and you shared the things that you're sharing with me uh, it's uh, it's hard to do I'm sure to talk about things like that uh, you know as far as the way you were raised and the way you're how important your sisters are to you uh, but man it's it helps so many people to hear that and and not feel alone. Uh, I'm not gonna gonna sit here and, and identify with each of your experiences, but they do. They're pretty familiar, um, and it's not an easy thing to talk about. It, yeah. it just isn't. So, uh, yeah, you, you saying it with me, it's almost like we forgot that thing's on. Um, <laughs> well, and it's it, it helps people that these these things uh, these. These podcasts often go beyond BMX, and uh, although that's, that's a pretty damn funny break story, that does have to do with BMX. Uh, but it's a it's a heavy subject, but it's also a happy subject. Uh, fortunately, with you, because things have they have worked out. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like they've worked out as best they could, and you appreciate you know what your parents. Uh, have done for you and, and the relationship with your sister so I, I just think it's uh, it's a pretty uh, pretty intense subject and and I'm I'm just I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a broken record at this point but yeah that's it, uh, it's crazy how these things come up well I had a conversation like this is going years back um, with uh, Rick Malterno um and this is just like casually at a, at a national and like, you know, it was more like a group conversation, but Rick was mm-hmm. saying, he's like, you know, in BMX, like BMX racing, it's like presented as like this family sport and all that. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you know, look in the reality of it. Like he's like a good portion of us come from like, you know, split families. Um, a lot of us are go to BMX because it's something that we can do by ourselves. It's some, you know, it's not necessarily a team thing, like, or it's like an escape from something, like, you know, that's not everyone's story, but like, we do, a lot of people have the same reasons, we ride, we ride for the same reasons a lot of the times, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when BMX was like smaller, it was like, you know, it's, you know, a subculture, and you're just like, I want to be like, I don't belong here, I don't belong there, I have this going on, but where do I fit in? And you start to jive with certain people. You're like, oh, well, you ride and I ride. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, we share some similar experiences. Or you're like, I might be going over to this person's house because my home situation isn't isn't good. Right. You know? Um, or, like, you know, you're going on road trips because, you, you know, you don't want to be home. Or, like... Mm-hmm. Um, 
or you know things could be kick ass at your house and I was like your your house is the spot to go because yeah, like you know right, right. You, but like the thing is like you're developing that community mm-hmm. and um we all come from have things that within our lives that can help one another become either better people mm-hmm. um or help to develop develop to become the people who we are you know we we learn a lot from our our friends our peer group is probably like the one of the most strongest influences growing up and so like you know your parents do their best and like oh well maybe you shouldn't hang out with like little billy because you know he's you know he's not a good student or whatever Mm -hmm. but then it's like well he might not be a a good student but he might be really kick-ass at something else you know and so it's you need to hang out with that dude because you're gonna you're gonna learn something from from him you know and hopefully it's something positive you Mm -hmm. know yeah man uh by the way my wife is the good the better parent in this situation (laughs) so so what you're yeah what you're talking about is uh just it it makes me reflect on on how my wife is as a parent and i do the best i can but uh my wife is so much better at uh at letting letting our kids learn on their own right just it's it's the they aren't going to learn if we if if i continue to say you know you can't do that you can't do this you can't do that just let them figure it out mm-hmm. and uh and she she uh she makes me look bad with the kids. <laughs> she makes me look like I don't know how to parent, but not intentionally. I just feel that way because she's so good at it. And mm-hmm. and and the kids do learn. And as soon as as soon as you let up a little bit, they they learn more and more. And all of a sudden, your kid does want to be around you a little more because you're letting him or her uh, kind of start to carve their path and and figure out on their own what's right and what's wrong for them and and learn so uh yeah it sounds like your your mom was probably more of that yeah my mom knew when when to kind of like bump and guide me and like mm. w- like when to like um encourage certain things mm-hmm. and you know and when to let me you know figure out things and follow my own mm-hmm. um you know, she she had a good way of uh, of uh, you know having eyes in the back of her head. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, right, <laughs> you know, right. Uh, doing, and then like having having you know older sisters, like you know, they were always there to you know ha- yeah. help out. Right, right. Well, I mean, uh, this is a kind of in a heavy part of the interview. Uh, you know, this may sound odd but we're already in a heavy part of the interview I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk a bit about your, your crash your okay. injury we used to take a uh, my, and I say we like um, my riding crew mm-hmm. at the time um, we would always do a raise weekend um, usually it was always the second second weekend in January mm-hmm. um, I believe and it would usually be Chris Hancock and myself at first, um, mm-hmm. Jeremy Fahey, which we call him Cruz, um, and then later Kyle, Kyle Hibbard. Uh-huh. Um, but we would go to raise, and usually we'd meet up with um, 
it was kind of like the pre-Old Fools weekend mm-hmm. at, at yeah you know, at Rays right. it was just like we would go um, the Miners Well Trail guys would go um, oh, okay. you know we get different groups together um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Lou would go Delfino mm-hmm. and so we'd all meet up and and, and ride because I mean, what else are you going to do in the upstate right. New York winter right. right so we'd all meet up and it would just kind of be a reunion we'd mm-hmm. like ride during the day we usually would go out to uh to get dinner afterwards we found mm-hmm. a place that would like would play like i think Anaheim ones that weekend so we'd always you know watch supercross and oh nice yeah, yeah just yeah, like yeah. a good like getaway because you know it's post holidays mm-hmm. and everything and so we um so this this crew was like chris and myself mm-hmm. and uh, we decided to go wheel mill day before because mm-hmm. um, there was a i think there was even a jam at the wheel mill the next day oh, um okay but so, but we did it reverse. We're just like, oh, let's ride, um, let's ride the wheel mill, and then we'll ride, you know, race the next day. Uh-huh. And so, uh, yeah, had an awesome time at the wheel mill, which was great. Um, yeah. And then uh, next day, you know, went went there, went to raise, and uh, was you know just getting a lay of the land. Uh, you go there, raise is just you know an incredible, expansive place. They change it up pretty much. You know, every every you know season they add some new feature and whatnot, and so mm-hmm. just kind of going around the place, kind of getting used to where things go and what mm-hmm. links to wear and everything. And uh, I think it was like it was the green cross cross country kind of mm-hmm. jumpy line, not in the uh, the the jump Profile room, room right? yeah. not in that room, but um, so I was following the green and. Uh, went through it once following like Chris and Kyle and it had like you know, cool swooping turns and everything and you know you feel out it once and you're like okay cool so the mm-hmm. next time I was going through um, I was going through solo and I was just like oh well I'm, let me give it some heat you know and uh, cause it's, it was like maybe man, maybe four like small box jumps and then it went into this awesome so when this, this they had this had an S turn s- mm-hmm. situation, I remember like I ripped the one turn mm-hmm. because like their turns you know they're steep enough and it's like let's go fast. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I ripped through that one, and I remember like I thought uh, Mike Marcisco was there uh-huh. from Tony's and, right. and Chuck uh, Chuck Gold. Gold, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing them, but it, it actually turned out Mike wasn't there. It was. Uh, he was supposed to go on the trip, but didn't. So Chuck had a made a sign of his face. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> so which I was just like, oh wow, that's even crazier. Because like, so I carved this turn, and then I ripped the next turn, mm-hmm. and the next turn um, was another like 180 with a roller coming out of it. And uh, so my my theory was like, well, I'm gonna rip this turn, and instead of just ride it and go with the roller. Uh, I'm gonna like high. I'm gonna rip it, so I'm gonna low high it, come mm-hmm. off the turn, um, shark fin off the turn into the backside of the roller, because I mean, why, why else would you put a roller coming out of the turn, sure, right? right? So right. like I rip it and I do it, and what I didn't know was there was a crossing trail that it bridges over, and so when I skippered out. I went face first into this bridge, um, 
And so, yeah, like, instantly, like, ripped through the turn, hit it, and I'm just like, you know, you know when you rip a turn and you're like, oh, man, that was rad. Like, that's how I felt. I was like, oh, that was rad. And, like, next thing you know, lights are off. Like, and I'm like, all right, things just went dark. This is going to be bad. And next thing you know, hit the ground. And I'm like, all right, that sucked. So you were conscious the whole time? Yeah, I'm conscious the whole time. Um, and so I'm on the ground, and I'm like, all right, this, like, this doesn't feel right. Um, I'm having trouble. Um, I'm just having, tr- I'm having trouble with the adrenaline and just, like, the initial fall impact. And I'm on the ground, and instantly I'm feeling, like the heat, the warmth mm. of, like, the blood pouring on me. Yeah. Um, I'm fortunate enough that someone saw me fall, mm-hmm. and I don't know who it was, mm-hmm. but he turned out to be an emergency EMT. Like, and he was there and got me propped up, like, within... I don't know, 10 seconds, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have a time run, but wow. he saw me fall, mm-hmm. was able to get over there and get me stabilized and have people call the ambulance right away. So mm-hmm. he has me stabilized and he's just like, hey, this is, this is bad, you know, but you're going to be okay. And mm-hmm. I was just like, all right, you know. And so, like, I'm breathing. I can't see anything because, like, blood's you know, in my mm-hmm. eyes, I just keep my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. I don't know like how bad it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, like I, I just wanted to take a lap by myself. Mm-hmm. So like they, um, you know, the, the ambulance is on its way mm-hmm. and, uh, Chris and Kyle hear, um, their names called to the front of the office because I you know told them who I was with mm-hmm. and um and they're like oh fuck <laughs> mm-hmm. you know they know like yeah. it, like I don't really I don't fall hard mm-hmm. actually not, I don't fall that often mm-hmm. like I feel like I've been riding enough that like you know my what I would consider a fall something you know like I don't really fall often mm-hmm. but when I do I like <laughs> I made it count <laughs> like right, right. um so like I'm there, and you know the I'm in the middle of this you know maze of ramps, mm-hmm. and so the EMTs come and they like stabilize me. They put me on the board and they're like, "How are we gonna get them out of here?" And so they like pick me up and like ferry me across, you know, and I'm like going out and like I you know I see everyone kind of like looking and whatnot. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of like, "Peace, dudes." <laughs> like, uh, like I don't know how bad it is, but like right. I know I'm not well. Um, so I'm in mm-hmm. in the ambulance ride and like going through the ambulance ride, and they're asking me questions, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he's, he got not he, he got knocked out." I'm like, "No, no, no, dude, I'm like not not knocked out. Like never mm-hmm. got knocked out. This is what's going on." And like I'm like hearing them the the EMTs talk, and they're like, you know. I don't understand everything, but like I'm just trying to keep my mind occupied. So like mm-hmm. we're going, I'm like, oh, the van made a left, and then the ambulance made a right, and whatnot. Um, and so I get there, and they're you know cleaning me up and everything, and um, 
they finally kind of got me like stabilized and um i was pretty i want to say disheveled um <laughs> but like i hadn't shaved in a while and i normally keep a beard mm-hmm. so like uh but the way the injury was like they had to start like shaving my face and mm-hmm. wanting before they could do surgery and they like you know had to give me like ct scans and make sure i didn't have any brain injuries or internal bleeding and right. so i'm going through all all this um all these uh, all the processes they have to do before i can even you know get like fixed up sure um and at this point like you know i'm pretty like beaten like bruised and battered up and whatnot right. but like i still don't know how bad my situation is um and so you know they they like bring me in for surgery mm-hmm. and uh you know at this point in time like um you know chris and kyle are at the at the hospital and mm-hmm. uh you know like they uh i think they they were trying to get in touch with uh my girlfriend at the time and um mm-hmm. but i had my phone and stuff so they didn't have like all the contacts right. uh but like you know, I know they're there, and so like I go into the surgery, and they're like they're playing music, and I was just like, hmm. I was just like, can you guys put on something different? <laughs> and they're just like, uh, what do you want to listen to? And I was just like, well, like, are you listening to like, are you playing Pandora? Right. <laughs> and uh like, yeah, and I was like, all right, well, like start a seed song for the artist King Tubby, yeah, um, yeah. which King Tubby is a dub uh reggae artist, okay. and it was uh so I got to listen to <laughs> a couple hours of like of dub because it's super relaxing, and it just oh, kind of I mean if you in a, if you're in a bad mood listening to reggae music like <laughs> There's, there's something, something wrong, wrong with you, right? right. Uh, so, like, you know, I, I'm going through, you know, they stitch me. Like, I remember they, before they did it, like, um, I, was, I was like, can you guys take a picture? And they was like, do you want to, like, yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to see, you know, what I looked like before. And yeah, yeah. what I, but I want to see it now, just take the picture, you know? Yeah, so they yeah. took a picture and then they um, uh, did the surgery mm-hmm. and then they took an after picture and, um, Chris and Kyle came in, and uh, they were like, oh, how you doing, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I still didn't know how bad it was, because, like, they kept pretty level heads. And um, I think I even told them, like, and, and it's hard to, like, remember, recount every detail sure. of it, because, you know, some years have passed. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure I told those dudes either before I went in for surgery or um, at some point, I was just like, "Oh, why don't you, like, why don't you guys just gonna, why don't you guys just go back and get a session in, like at Ray's? I'm gonna be here for a day, right. you know. Like, I didn't want to ruin their trip, you know. Like, right. we had a great, right. but I think that probably took a lot of desire for them riding that day out of their sails. Um, yeah. So like, I go through the, I go through the the surgery and everything, and. Um, you know, they come in afterwards, and um, it's awkward, you know, mm. like, you know, I'm just kind of like, hey, you know, what's going on? And, you know, I can tell they're being, like, you know, reserved, mm-hmm. and, like, 
I'm just like, oh, so like, you know, what's going on in your lives? You know, just trying to like, you know, ease the, you know, I don't want to dwell on like how bad it is, you know, like, sure. or if it's that bad. I was just kind of, because I didn't feel bad. Like, right. I, I was just like, all right, yeah, I'm like, I'm cut and bruised up and whatnot. But like, and that surgery took a long ass time. Like, but you still kind of lose track on like, you know, how much, how much time has passed. So, sure. you know, eventually, um, you know, like they, uh, the hospital, you know, gives me my cell phone and mm. I can start calling my, my family and, uh, and, uh, letting people know what's up. Right. And so like, um, <laughs> yeah, I call, uh, I call my, my girlfriend at the time, well, fiance at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't get, I can't get in touch with her. And so I was just like, oh, that's a bummer. Um, yeah. and then, you know, so I, I call, um, I call my sisters, um, and I call my sister Sue, and, uh, she, like, I didn't, I didn't get her, I got, um, my brother-in-law, and Mm -hmm. he is, he is awesome, just amazing, Mm -hmm. and so I was like, hey Sue, um, I'm at the hospital in Cleveland, I'm like, it's, it's bad, Mm -hmm. I was like, just so you know, and I'm like, um, I don't, I'm like, it's pretty bad, um, like I, you know, got hurt riding and whatnot, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have some serious injuries, I'll let you know more, but here's the doctor's contact info and whatnot, mm-hmm. and so, like, I called her, I called my sister Nikki, um, I called my sister Sandy, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking at this point was still very hard, because, um, I knocked out a bunch of teeth. I had, you know, a bunch of damage in my mouth. My mm-hmm. my lip was, you know, I had a lot of facial scarring and 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 swelling, swelling and everything. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's still hard to communicate. Like so, I can't really give them much details. So I'm just telling them to like who to contact and everything. Sure. And uh, Susan immediately, like, I talked to Michael. He runs over because she's like over at the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Runs over and what's this like? Yo, your brother got hurt. It's bad. And so she immediately just she goes to town and gets me set up. Finds out everything from the doctors. Um, Let me stop if you want. No, no, I, I, I can keep yeah. going. I'll, I'll get it together. She, like, That's finds out weird. everything from the doctors. Mm-hmm. And, like, the neighborhood she lives in, like, you know, used, like, the group the group that she was with, like, they found out, like, oh, shit, like, this is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And so they immediately, like, spread out to their network. It turns out that one of her neighbors like um one of her neighbors is like worked with this amazing surgeon in um in uh North Carolina and was just like all right this is everything you need to do to get your brother transferred here this is all the information that they need mm-hmm. so she like immediately gets that in motion mm-hmm. um and then I call, you know, like, so, like, 
That is awesome. I don't even. I didn't even know this is an ad. I'm just telling her like I messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I call my mom. Call my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad. <laughs> oh my goodness. So my dad. I call him and I'm just like, hey dad. Uh, you know, I, ha- I fell riding my bike. It's it's pretty bad. He goes, can't be too bad. You called me. It's just like someone else called me. Then I would have to be worried. It's just like, <laughs> do I need to do I need to jump on a plane right now? And I was like, uh. Nah, nah, I don't, I don't think so. He's just like, all right, well, he's like, you're gonna be all right, you know. Um, you know, I'll find out, you know, all the details from from your sister, but like, you know, Im- immediately like that put me in a good mood. I was just like, well, he, he's right. Like, he, yeah, yeah, in retrospect, was, yeah, yeah. Like, all right. If uh, if I was, if someone else was calling, like, yeah, he yeah. would. But I was, I was, it was rad that I was able to kind of deliver that mm-hmm. news to uh, to my family. Um, you know, so they keep me in Cleveland for, I think, three days. Like, I'm in intensive care. Mm -hmm. And in that period of time, it's like you lose track of time of what's happening. Because there's always something kind of going on. Um, you know, either someone else is on the floors, you know, has something going on. You're sharing a room with someone. Mm -hmm. People are coming in and checking your vitals and everything. Um, you know, pretty regular. So you're not really getting good sleep. You know, you're in and out of like what day and time it is and whatnot. Sure. And um, I'm in there, and the dude next to me looks at me, and or he's just like, "Hey, man, you get into a, you look pretty bad. You get into a car accident." And I was just like, "Nah, like I fell riding my bike." Mm-hmm. And he's just like, "Oh, you get hit by a car." I was just like. No, like I still haven't seen myself in in the mirror yet, and so I'm just like because you didn't want to, yeah, or I just wasn't no ability to no ability to. Okay. Um, you know they had me like peeing in a bucket, right. not, not a bucket, but a uh, a well, trucker buddy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, whatever. You, it's, it's the same thing, but yeah, yeah. go ahead. And so, uh, <laughs> like, uh, so I don't, I haven't seen myself yet, and so I don't really know how bad this this is. You know, mm-hmm. I know that I feel all right. Um, right. I don't like, you know, I, I feel like I ate shit, you know, like, so, yeah. um, but like the way, you know, people respond to you, you know, you kind of know, you're like, all right, well, maybe this is a little bit more serious than yeah. I think. And so like, I ask him, I'm like, well, what happened to you? And he's mm-hmm. just like, I, f- I fell off the ladder mm-hmm. cleaning my gutters. And I was just like, huh? And I was like, oh man, I'm sorry. And he had, like, he fell off, he broke his wrist, like, he had a head injury, um, but he also lost vision in his left eye. Yeah. And I was just like, because I don't know if something hit his eye or from mm-hmm. the impact or whatever, but he lost vision in his eye. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, at that point, I was just like, well, fuck, like, at least I went out, like, if I fell and got hurt, like, Lisa was doing something awesome. You know, like, and you can, you know, getting hurt, like, is, it's going to happen. And there, when you ride BMX, you know, there's an assumed, you know, mm-hmm. risk and reward. And I think most of the things that we do are calculated risk, but there's, you know, sometimes something just doesn't go your way. Yeah. And I'm like, well, at least, at least I did it riding, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, like, that felt very comfortable to me because I'm like, it was on... It was on my, my terms, on my dime, you know? Like, right. if I would have got messed up because, like, someone ran a red light, you know? 
Like, that is a bummer. <laughs> um, so, like, I go through, like, I'm, I'm in, like, this intensive care, and then mm-hmm. I'm able to um, get out of get out of bed, like, oh, you know, if you want to sponge off, you can. So, sure. so I, you know, hobble into uh, to the, the bathroom there, and I look at myself, and I was just like, whoa. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, damn, that's, like, like, did not recognize my own self. It was just like, holy crap, like, that's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like, and more I like, I remember sponging off, and I'm like sponging off this dry blood. It's coming out, I'm like, what's left of like my beard, and, yeah. and like, you know, this like behind your ears, and it's in your yeah. hair and everything. Right. Just, and whatnot, and um, mm-hmm. like it's coming off and whatnot. And the more it comes off, the more I'm just like, oh, well, maybe it's not that bad. And I go back into bed, and like, you know, you have doctors visiting. And mm-hmm. the second day, um, these doctors came in, mm-hmm. and they're talking about me, mm-hmm. and I'm right there, and I'm trying to get answers from them, I'm like asking them questions. And they're doing that thing where there's like, you know, they have their plan of what they what they want my next couple surgeries to be. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wait a minute. I was just like, nah, I don't, like, can you explain that to me? And they're not giving me the time. So at that point, I call my sister. And I'm like, Sue, I got the doctors here. Like, they're telling me this. They're telling me one, th- I'm like, I'm hearing them say this, but I'm just like, I don't know. Can you talk to them? And she's like, because she immediately was like, you know, when your doctors come in, I want to talk to them. Sure. So, you know, they put a, I put give the phone to her, and you mm-hmm. know she's getting information mm-hmm. from them and whatnot, and they leave. And the doctor was telling me um, before he left, he's like, because I was like, hey, you know, when can I, when can I leave? <laughs> and yeah. he's just like, oh, well, you're gonna have to be here for another another week. And I was like, for what? And he's just like, well, you know, you have, um, you know, you fractured your your. Your upper and lower jaw, you fractured your eye socket. Um, like we're gonna have to wire those shut. Um, you know, you're like I completely destroyed my whole nose cavity. Um, so that, and I was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't feel that bad. Like, right, right. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's like, uh, but I was just kind of like, this is kind of weird. Like, mm-hmm. you, it, I guess it comes to trusting your gut mm-hmm. and. Um, and so I go, like, they leave, and I call my sister back, and, like, we kind of talk about what she's going, going through. And I was like, Sue, I got to I gotta get out of here. And I was like, they want to keep me here for another week at least. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, like, not that I don't want to be there. Well, obviously, I don't sure. want to be there, but, right. like, I just didn't seem, it just didn't seem right to me. I was like, all right. And so she's like, well... She's just like, I have everything set up. She's just like, you need to be in a level one trauma center. She's like, there's only, there's a level one trauma center here in, um, at Duke University. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, you're in Cleveland. We can put you on a plane, just fly you there mm-hmm. and get you taken care of. And I was just like, I'm like, well, what are my other options? Because I kind of wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're in the hospital. And everything, and in the, the meantime, Chris Hancock is still in Ohio. Mm-hmm. You know, like, 
um, Kyle, he had recently started a new job and mm-hmm. like he had to head back. So like he took off, um, Chris stayed behind, mm-hmm. you know, just shacked up at the hotel and sure. then, um, would come in and, and hang out with me and, mm-hmm. and like, uh, you know, follow up with, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on. Right. Cause he was also talking with my sister and like being mm-hmm. like, all right, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to get him where? Sure. Um, and so I was like, well, what's the other option if I go to, you know, go back to Binghamton? And she's like, well, the closest level one trauma center there is Syracuse. And I was just like, okay. I was like, um, I don't know what I want to do yet. Um, but I need to go. I need to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Categories. Okay. Cat house. Yeah. And uh, so I go... Um, so I'm in there and I'm telling the uh I'm in, I'm in the the Cleveland Medical uh the hospital there and I'm like hey um I'm like I um I need to be discharged. Uh-huh. I'm like I you know they're like oh well you need this and that. I'm just like it's set up. I'm getting I just need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm there, you know, one more day and mm-hmm. like so before I can go they like you know make sure doing all their the tests and everything. Mm-hmm. And like, I get they give me like one last CT scan mm-hmm. before I go, before I can leave. And I'm just like, is this really necessary? Like, you guys have been monitoring me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm good. But I guess the carry the cover there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying right. to get like, so they're doing that, and I'm like waiting for them to give me all the the disc images and everything, so I have like all the information that I can just hand over to the next set of. Uh, surgeons that I need to see and uh we finally get out of there (laughs) and so like Chris and I drive back and uh like I remember uh I get the uh like I get the bill from from them and I like look at that last like CT scan I was just like ah like I was just like damn I can't believe like I think it was like twelve thousand dollars something it was like some like absurd amount I was just like damn like kick out the nuts while I'm getting kicked out the door like I was just like, and so at this point, I'm just like, well, um, at the time, I needed to go home. Um, my fiance at the time, like, we were having some, we were having troubles in our relationship where we were like, we were just working, we were working, working through things. And, um, mm-hmm. like, you know, I had finally got in touch with her and everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, Chris would drop me off and you know like I just needed to be in I needed to be in my own house I just needed before I started the the next thing I needed just a sense of normalcy you know Mm -hmm. and I get home and I could just tell like the vibe is off and like I'm pretty jacked up and like I can tell the vibe's off I'm just like all right, you know whatever like I'm no I'm not completely with it Mm-hmm. And I'm in my room that night, mm-hmm. and um, I'm in my room. Well, cause like well, I'm I'm in I'm in my room. And I'm like I'm in the bedroom, and um, I remember waking up in the middle of the night, and I was like, I was like, hello, like who's there? Like I thought someone was in the room. Right, mm-hmm. I was so used to people coming in and out of the room from uh, being uh, 
in the hospital that like I thought some, someone was in there and I was just like hello is anyone in there and you know like and then I said to myself out loud I remember going I'm scared and mm-hmm. once I like heard myself say that I was just like wow like out of all places to be like I shouldn't be like scared in my own house and so I was just like all right next morning I was just like I told her I was just like hey I need to get surgeries like I need to get this in motion like um I need to um I'm gonna go to North Carolina and have this because the recovery process is gonna be uh a little bit you know and I was like you know I you know I have to go so Mm -hmm. so I uh you know flew down to North Carolina to have them done and uh even that was kind of crazy because, like, I remember going to uh, the airport mm-hmm. and, like, I went and bought some water um, mm-hmm. from this uh, from one of the kiosks there. Mm-hmm. And the woman behind the counter, like, looked at me and she was mm-hmm. just like, you look beautiful. And, like, at this point, like, I know I'm all jacked up, but just that, like, mm-hmm. act of kindness, like, made me feel awesome. I was just like, wow, that's like, that's cool. Because, mm-hmm. like, I was hesitant about going down to North Carolina because, like, one, like, my relationship was kind of, was was, was at a rough spot. Um, mm-hmm. And we were going through something. But I was like, you know what? You know, like, it'd be good to kind of go through this with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like... <sighs> But when I decided to go to North Carolina, like, I, I was hesitant because I have a niece and nephew, um, mm-hmm. and they are, um, well, at the time, they were pretty young. Mm-hmm. And Susan was just like, she initially was like, come on down, just, you know, got room, like, you'll be good. And I was just like, Sue, I don't know, like, I, I'm like, I think I'll scare the kids. Like, like, I didn't, Feel, like once I saw myself in the mirror mm-hmm. like I didn't feel human you know like you look at yourself and you're like holy crap like I don't recognize who I am like mm-hmm. I feel like myself but like I really don't like like it, I really don't look like myself like so yeah. you know so who am I you know um, and so I was like super hesitant and, and like but like that feeling of uncertainty and that being like that being that feeling scared made me like maybe go go home you know maybe go mm-hmm. to where i was going to feel most comfortable and where i was going to you know make the best recovery um so i like i end up going down to north carolina and um you know dr marcus who uh was uh, did my follow up surgeries was awesome, mm-hmm. like he like looked at everything and he was just like, all right. Um, I was like, this is what they wanted to do in Cleveland. He was just like, well, he's just like you can. He's just like, but he's just like you your jaw fractures that you have, like they're fractured, but they're they're in line. So as long as you don't, so as long as you stick to liquids, like in the extremely soft foods, they're in place. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just like, you know, your eye socket and your, you know, your, your fractured eye, so- you, he's like that, like, 
the, all those bones are in place. So they're going to heal as long as you don't like bang your head on anything. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, so I don't need all those other surgeries. And he's like, no, like the only thing we have to do really, he's like, well, not like little, but we you know, got to you know, basically give you a nose job, you know, rhinoplasty or mm-hmm. like, you need to reconstruct your, your nasal passage so you can, so you can breathe correctly. Right. He's just like, you know, but everything's going to heal. It's just going to like, you know, so take time. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, wow. yeah. I'm like, that's, that's huge. So he like, you know, like he had, he did that and like did the consultation, boom, mm-hmm. had that done. Um, and like that, I want to say it was like, uh, essentially like almost like an, an outpatient surgery. Like, sure. you know, it wasn't done in a main hospital. Like I came in, like they did it and they sent me home same day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when that happened, like my sister, Sandy, she was just like, well, I'm, she's like, I'm coming down. So she put her life on hold. She up in, on, on Long Island? She, she... Um, no, she's not on Long Island anymore. She was living in, uh, she lives in, um, uh, outside of, uh, of, uh, New Paltz. Okay. Um, and so, uh, yeah, she essentially was like, I'm coming down, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so she came down to help out and take care of me while I'm like recuperating. And, Mm -hmm. and she was the one to make sure I took my medication on time. So she would always, you know, come in my room and, you know, make sure that was all said and done and, uh, was monitoring, make sure I was okay. Like if I'd get up in the middle of the night to to use the bathroom or or try to use the bathroom, because like it's, that's a whole crazy situation when you go through something sure. like that of just like you're that you you can't like right. <laughs> and right. like he'd be like you okay and I'd be like yeah like you here standing outside the door is not <laughs> not helping <laughs> but I like right. appreciate it you know so um so like um I was fortunate enough to have my sisters really like just put everything in line for the best like and healthiest like recovery because like the physical stuff like you're gonna heal from that but like the mental and emotional um recovery from a traumatic injury is just as important um and you don't really i didn't realize it at the time is that you know it wasn't just like the injury on my bike like that was part of it but like you know my my relationship was one thing um mm-hmm. my my i guess my station in life you know like how things were going at fbm my relationships with people like all those things you know there's something going on with all of them that were like taking it, their tolls on me Mm-hmm. And it was like that. It's like I needed to be like like life needed to check me, and needed me to like pause for a second mm-hmm. and like get back because like I think things were slipping in my life and with friends and um, mm-hmm. that I wasn't really. Um, I don't know how happy I actually was. Um, I think I was kind of going through the motions of things, but I wasn't like, wasn't like really either satisfied or passionate or, Mm -hmm. 
you know, I was at a point where I was just kind of like maybe a little bit numb on things. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the, you know, that injury like made me stop and it made me like concentrate on fixing myself. Mm-hmm. And also like, um, you know, I found out a lot of other things like at that time, like health reasons, like, um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm 40 now, um, mm-hmm. you know, so as you get older, you have to start taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that fall made me like, I found out that like I have one working kidney, like my other kidneys in there, but it's atrophy. It doesn't work. I never knew that. Like I'm just living really? my life. Yeah. I, like never knew that. And I was just like, Oh, well shit. If I only have one kidney. Like I really need to take care of that yeah, one kidney. Right, um, right. And you know, like I was, I was, I, my diet wasn't that great then. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, I was definitely heavier than I was probably like, you know, heaviest I'd, um, at one of the more heavier point, heaviest points I've been mm-hmm. in my life. Um, and like my, my girlfriend at the time, her, her father was, um, diabetic and like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and even like diabetes in the African American community is, is, you know, a prevalent thing and it's, it's like whoa well because of diet creating it yeah diet yeah. is one one of the things and like i realized i was eating poorly and like cheap food right well cheap food you know i, I had a, had a sweet tooth like sure. i like snacking on things sure. um but I, yeah i just wasn't you know i wasn't taking care of myself mm-hmm. and uh and so uh you know, I, I learned, like, I was like, oh, shit, well, I need to start doing that. Like, <laughs> I need to really kind of, like, mm-hmm. have a reboot. And uh, I had the time at that point to really kind of focus on, you know, physically healing mm-hmm. and mentally healing and emotionally healing. Um, healing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the amount of, the amount that people reached out to me at that point um was incredible like mm-hmm. and I'm like I was sitting in like a hospital bed or, or you know sitting at, at my mom's mm-hmm. or my sister's place and like you know social media has its highs and lows and right. this was one of the rad parts about it mm-hmm. was that like people were reaching out to me that I you know hadn't spoken to in years of that mm-hmm. um that like I had relationships with or that I didn't know how much like I mattered to people Um, and it's because like I wasn't getting I wasn't getting that in my personal life and like this might sound so at the time like um, the woman I was with like you know, we had talked about starting a family and, and, you know, we were going to get married and stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's like a heavy emotional commitment, you know? And like, you know, I had my, you know, we were having our problems. I was just like, you know, like, that's cool. Like, you know, we're going to have ups and downs, but like, well, you know, we'll get through it. Mm -hmm. But like at that point, I remember I got a text from her and it was, uh, you know, she, um, she was also going through, um, she had to have a medical procedure done at the same time, about, mm-hmm. seriously at the same time. Like, I was, uh, like that, 
that Monday I was supposed to um, go home. Her parents were flying up, um, and she was going to have her procedure done. And uh, I remember being like, hey, I can't come up, but, like, you know, your, your parents cool. Like, you know, can they take you? If not, let me know. Like, um, I you know someone who can drive you. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I was just like, I know you have recovery time, like, also like mm-hmm. so if we're going to recover like we could do this together and whatnot but like yeah. you know the vibe wasn't there so um sure. i remember getting a text from her and she's just like why does your family keep like sending me messages like why are your sisters like keep sending me? i'm like i'm like i don't know checking in on how you're doing and she's like well don't they know that we broke up and i was just like oh i was just like i didn't i didn't know that we had broken up but like, I'm like, if that's the case, and you don't want to, you don't want to be in this relationship, like, I'm like, I'm okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, I wish that we would have been able to have this conversation. But like, mm-hmm. I'm like, if that's how you feel. Like, I'm like, I can't. I'm like, right now, like, I can't fight for you. Like, mm-hmm. I have to heal, and I'm like. You know, as much as I wanted our relationship to work, mm-hmm. I was just like, I can't, like, I, I didn't have it in me. Like, I didn't have the ability to fight for someone that wasn't willing to, you know, mm-hmm. fight for me, you right. know? And um, I was like, just had, I was like, all right, that was um, a bummer, but also like a weight lifted. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, getting, I'm, people are reaching out to me um you know and i'm just like wow i am loved like i am loved by so many people and i'm not saying that to like you know let it go to my head or no. anything like that but like it's the last thing we'd expect i the, the feeling the know that your friends your family your peers your social group that the people that you interact with really care about you is so uplifting and powerful that I was like, well, I have so many people who love me. I am lovable. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, like, my personal relationship, I wasn't getting that. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, well, that's okay. You know, like, hey, not everyone's, you know, relationships end, you know. Um, But, you know, the timing of it all, was really it's really the thing that like I guess hits hits harder because like that is where I was just like wow like I need to like really take care of myself and know my self worth mm-hmm. and my value and um you know and I felt in this embrace I was like okay well I'm gonna be okay mm-hmm. like like if I stumble and fall like I have people who are going to catch me and like it gives like in, even saying this now like I don't want to like I never want it to come off like I'm like I'm bragging or boasting mm-hmm. but I'm like I'm so fortunate and honored that I have this luxury because it really is that like that I have people that are going to you know appreciate me for who I am um, and allow me to be the person I am whether you know 
whether at strength or, or faults, but like it just feels very comforting and, and I feel very confident in my choices in life mm-hmm. that I'm just like, well, maybe like, maybe I am doing things okay, <laughs> you know, like, so, sure. um, you know, like that whole like accident experience was like, was was an eye opener. It was like one of those things that, like, I mean, granted, like, not that I want to go through it again, mm-hmm. but I like definitely not bummed that it happened. It's like, and I don't want it to be like one of the most like defining things in my life either. Like, it happened. It sucked. You know, like, I don't like constantly re- revisit it, but like, I don't, I don't, you know, want to act like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, like, if I keep revisiting it, then you don't kind of get over that kind right. of trauma. Yeah. But, like, what I've learned from it is, like, well, I've learned many things from it um, that, like, help me kind of continue forward within mm-hmm. in, my, in my life. Right. It taught you a lot about yourself, right? And gave you that reason to reflect? Yeah, it, it did. Like, and... And it gave me that ability to do it without kind of having a midlife crisis, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> where right. I'm at, you know, like it may, it definitely made me appreciate the, the people that, oh, yeah. that are within mm-hmm. like my life and, and our community. And like, like people came out the woodwork that like, mm-hmm. that had my back and like, and I appreciate and love every single one of those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, Hoper, huh? I guess I guess we're going long on this one. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, when we got reacquainted, since I got back into things, uh, I think at that time you were still heading down for the follow-up surgeries. You know, I had like another follow-up major surgery, and then mm-hmm. I had um, a couple of visits to make sure that the healing process okay. was right yeah. and everything, and like. After that, um, like the initial mm-hmm. surgeries, then I had to deal with um, like the dental aspect of it because it within bad. that um, within that fall, I had knocked out seven teeth. Um, seven, oh my god! Yeah, and uh, wow. you know, dealing with that was kind of crazy because it was mm-hmm. like, well, you know, what are your options? What like, what are your options? Like, I um, don't have don't have dental insurance. Don't don't have health insurance. So like, what? Like how I'm gonna yeah. you know manage this, and yeah. uh, and I couldn't you know I, I had to like because of you know the stitches mm-hmm. and the oral injuries I had to let all that stuff heal before I could even start doing dental stuff like they couldn't start extracting broken teeth while yeah. my jaw still fractured you know right. so I had to wait so I had to wait a while to get that cleared and then once I went mm-hmm. through that then it was just like all right we got to do. That makes sense. You gotta start pulling out the broken ones and right. you know, fixing, you know, like dealing with the ones that are cracked and amazing. Did you eventually come to a choice where you just said, I'm stable like this, I'm I'm content, uh, you know, accept yourself the way you the way you the way you are, the way you've uh Yeah. The way things have changed and, and just say, you know what? Uh, because of the expense, I'm saying. Um, um, 
kind of let that go? I went through a couple, a couple different, like, mm-hmm. I guess, phases in that. You know, as I was, as I was like, you know, physically healing and the scars or, you know, mm-hmm. swellings going down and, and, you know, you're taking bandages off mm-hmm. and like, you know, pulling stuff out of my nose mm-hmm. and like being able to breathe again. And like, mm-hmm. like one of the things was like, my face was so swollen that I couldn't wear glasses. Oh. Like, uh, cause I wear glasses and like, um, I couldn't, my frames didn't fit on my face. They rested, um, my face was so swollen that Mm -hmm. it wouldn't fit on. But when it went down, like, the frames that I had would rest on my scars. I couldn't really wear them until that was healing. And going through, uh, going through life, like, not being able to see or everything's a blur, Uh um, you, you know, you, you, your eyes adapt to it. But, like, at that point, um, I didn't have to drive anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, I was, um... My my glasses are for like distance, mm-hmm. so I um, I started reading a bunch, um, and reading like I was you know when you read it really helps kind of focus and quiet your mind and uh, mm-hmm. and that helps a lot with you know healing just sure. kind of being able to focus and not you know dwell on things and kind of like you know reading a book you kind of dive into this whole other world and stuff and you know like it just keeps your mind occupied and and and, and also challenges it so like you still feel fresh and, yeah. and, and lively and you, you, know, you still feel like you're thinking mm-hmm. um so like uh i came like once i was able to like you know start you know i guess feeling or looking like more like myself Uh Uh, and I was going through the the dental stuff like um I was like well I had to weigh like well what can what can I afford to do um and what can I you know what am I comfortable with and like I was able to get like an upper and lower partial Mm -hmm. um and a bridge type of thing yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um so I have like yeah, one that clips it on the bottom and clips it on the top. Mm-hmm. Um, the options um, for doing like you know implants are there, but right. the cost yeah. is pretty gnarly. Right. And like, I don't know if I actually want to go through the physical demand of what it is because you're essentially, you know, drilling into your jawbone. Yeah. If you have enough bone material there, right. To you know, to put it in, and then you have, you know, that porcelain crown, or, or tooth screws sure. in, you know, and it's like, that's a lot, that's a, it's a lot of money, and it's like, a lot of teeth, and I'm just like, you can yeah. still knock those out, <laughs> like, and, right. then, and I'm like, well, mm. my diet's changed, where like, um, you know, I'm not so snacky anymore, you know, mm-hmm. I was, was doing a lot of smoothies, and kind of changing, mm-hmm. you know, my palate up, and like I got to a point where I'm like, hey, I'm I'm comfortable with the foods that I can eat, um, mm-hmm. and figured out how to eat certain things, um, and certain things that I can't. Then was like, well, yeah. I, oh well, right, you know. But like when I look at myself now in the mirror, and, or, or whatnot, like mm-hmm. I recognize that my smile is different mm-hmm. um, when I look at an old photo and whatnot, and I even know the way I when I take photos is mm-hmm. different than when I, you know, had full teeth. Like, right, I, pro- I don't right. smile 
the same. I don't smile as much. Right, right. Um, when I have the partials in, I tend to a mm-hmm. little bit. Uh, and it's just one of those things that I, like, you know, started self-consciously doing. Sure. I don't feel any, like, any different or, like, sad about it. It's just, um, yeah, just the kind of one of those things, like, I'll look at a photo and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I don't, like, I don't smile the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and even if, even if I did, like, my smile isn't the same. Because, <laughs> right. uh, like, w- w- part of it is, like, I have nerve damage in my my lips so like from like the center of my lip to the left mm-hmm. like this whole upper lip is uh is like kind of numb and doughy like it's a you can't move it on um, your own very, very I, I guess you well, can, I can move it, it now um mm-hmm. but it still feels like all the nerve isn't there it is like when the nerves were coming back you'd feel these like these like pins and needles these snaps yeah, yeah. Um, and like even it just being sensitive to hot and cold like that took mm. a while where like I yeah. since I didn't have feeling in it like you're probably burning your lip I was I like mean, you unsure were sipping in tea or something yeah I was unsure about certain oh, things man. and like so I was just really reserved with like how man. I kind of interacted with food and, and my, my palate in general mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I've gotten to a point where I'm like comfortable with it and I can kind of uh, live with it. My dentist, like, you know, one of the fractures I had, you know, he, they call it, uh, uh, I think, a Lafort fracture from, like, mm-hmm. for the upper. Okay. And he's just like, he's like, I, he, he had one. He's just like, yeah, you know, I had one. And, like, he's like, I still have a little bit of nerve issue, you know. Yeah. And uh, even, like, with my nose, um, you know, like, right here, like, that's kind of doughy mm-hmm. feeling, like, doesn't have the same sensation I remember like looking in the mirror and being like alright let me see like I can't move like I wasn't able to move my nostril (laughs) and I remember like well let me just keep trying and I like would like keep trying keep trying and eventually I was like one day I was able to move it and I was just like well no shit like look at that like um, so again I mean some of the nerves do degenerate but right you know, I do definitely have some nerve nerve damage in my face Mm -hmm. you know it makes the left lip a little bit on the on the the droopier side and that's because of where, probably where they had to uh, where they had to sew right um, yeah I mean I don't know if you can see it so like okay so my scar is like right here so mm-hmm. um, like from here down mm-hmm. across my lip this whole thing was like right torn open okay. so yeah they had to sew back through all that so you essentially disconnected some yeah. some nerves from that, from the other, yeah, yeah. It's not working together anymore. Right, and then um, like I remember like them picking like splinters out of my face and stuff from uh, from the wood. From yeah, from because really? like I like I when I went back to raise, um, mm-hmm. actually I didn't go back to raise. Like Chris went back to raise for me, and mm-hmm. um, he took pictures of uh, the Eric's. I, I remember like kind of going through it with him, being like, dude, like mm-hmm. I'm like, what did I fall on? And uh, he's just like, I don't know, there's not a jump where you are. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, can you go and like take photos of it? So like, he took photos of it the next day, and then like we were back in the hospital and kind of going mm-hmm. through of like, you know, what happened. And like, he took close up photos, and like you can see like you can see like like white of my helmet like impacted mm-hmm. into into the area. And he's just like, I think when you fell, like you there's like another like kind of like ribbed 
like um, part part of the ramp thingy the that he thing thinks thing. that like I fell when I fell I must have eventually slid into that too you know like I don't exactly right. at that point I don't you know remember right. but right. you know the uh, you know, whatever I hit mm-hmm. you know did some pretty pretty extensive damage yeah. you know and it's like one of those things that like the setup probably I mean, the setup wasn't made for that line you know like mm-hmm. because like when I when I carved through that ooh sorry cat when mm-hmm. I carved through that line like mm-hmm. your line of sight when you're in a berm is like you know, you're leaned over looking where you need to go you're not looking like directly above you you right. know so right. um, yeah if I would have known there was like a a, a, a bridge yeah. you know like uh, you wouldn't have launched I would have yeah and it was like it, it's not like I like you know like aired out a quarter like it was sure. kind of like you right, know, right. skippering out of a mm-hmm. you know make turning a berm into a shark fin and popping into a roller you know right. something that you just like but it was meant to be a roller oh, line yeah it's just like oh so, well, that's just naturally yeah. what you naturally what you do when, right. you, when you when you pack some heat through a turn you yeah. know like yeah I don't know maybe that's the 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 racer in yeah. me of like thinking of sure. different lines of yeah. how to go through go through it did they change it since then i haven't been back to race since that point um okay. not that i have anything you know against rays or like sure. or bummed or scared to ride there or anything mm-hmm. um you know rays is awesome and i think it's like rather so many people go and have a, mm-hmm. you know a good time it's just like i go the, I just don't have the desire to drive that far to ride indoors. Sure. Um, right. You know, like... You get it. it. Yeah, like, it, it... Yeah, I just don't really have the desire to, like, mm-hmm. to to ride that, right, mm-hmm. at this point in my life, you sure. know? So, um, you know, I haven't been back to um, the wheel mill either, and mm-hmm. it's, you know... Again, another amazing spot. Just mm-hmm. you know, haven't really had the desire to like pack up midwinter and take take the trip. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I get it. I I certainly understand it. Yeah, I I think the older I get, the uh, my relationship with riding and what I ride, like it's not that I have to ride. Like oh, I'm like I haven't ridden in, I haven't ridden mm-hmm. in two days. I like need to like. Yeah. I ride based on how I feel and like when I feel like when I feel like it I'm out there you know like I don't want to feel like I have to right you know because I'm like I've been riding long enough at this point that like me you know not riding for a day or a week or you know a couple months Mm -hmm. like I don't feel like when I get back on my bike I don't feel like oh man like I can't do the you know it's just like oh well Oh, my, maybe my fitness isn't as as good, sure. you know. But I'm almost like, ah, oh, yeah, I can, mm-hmm. you know, I still feel comfortable and confident on my bike. Like, mm-hmm. um, even you know, no matter, you know, no matter what it is, like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. If I've been off my bike, you know, uh, even I think with uh, when I was with that fall, I was off my bike for something like, like six and nine months or something like it was like a pretty pretty long time and then like Steve came up to uh, to Ithaca and was like hey let's go to the uh, the Ithaca Park 
You know, it's just like, I was just like, yeah, all right. You know, like, hadn't really felt like riding, but it felt like riding with him, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and like, we jumped the hips and mm-hmm. still able to do a tabletop, you know. Right, <laughs> so right, just right. Like, Cool. What else do you need? Yeah, so it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Mike still know how to do it. So, like, yeah. taking some time off, you know, is, is good. Sure. Um, the other thing that's, like, pretty eye-opening for me was, like, when you're off your bike, or when I was recovering that long, um, the amount of other little injuries you have from riding, whether it's a bruised heel or, you know, um, you know a rolled ankle or something like that, like, it allowed everything in my body to heal so when oh, i got back right. on my bike ah. i felt awesome i was like yeah, yeah. i was like oh man i feel good like uh-huh. i mean i was able to get on back on my road bike and my um my mountain bike a little mm-hmm. bit earlier so i was starting to get my like my general fitness up and i was able to um you know i was starting to walk or walk a bit more uh-huh. um just right. to kind of you know be active um yeah. but yeah being able to just like where you don't have any like oh my back doesn't hurt or anything mm-hmm. like that like that really makes a huge difference. Yeah. Look at this cat. <laughs> that is an enormous cat. That cat must be twenty five pounds. <laughs> he last time I weighed him, he was twenty two. Really? Yeah, and he only eats diet food. Wow. What? Yeah. Wow. But he's uh yeah he's my homie. It's like a coon cat. You ever <laughs> hear those in Maine? They have uh, I I suppose not just Maine, but people raise uh coon cats. So I just wanted to say real quick, uh, Rick Mac ninety seven, want to shout him out because he said what we're talking about. So were you surprised by the outpouring of support and love after your bad crash? We weren't, and he said cheers. So uh, yeah, he he uh, he's not surprised that you had that kind of uh, reception. So that that's that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I. I, I... I appreciate it. <laughs> I really yeah. do, man. Uh, and and uh, Darren Meenan, he said, uh, back in the day it wasn't cool to rock a helmet at the trails, but you always held it down. Besides just being the smart one, <laughs> was there a reason behind it? Because this is obviously pre-facial injury. Um, yeah, I pretty much have always worn a helmet. I did go through a period of time that I, I didn't. Um, but yeah, growing up, I uh, I usually rocked a, an Echo open face mm-hmm. at the trails. Um, yeah, right. Uh, and later, a Protec. And uh, there's kind of like, got eh, two reasons, I guess, that kind of go with it. Um, for BMX, well, we'll go, we'll go pre-BMX. Right. I built a ramp at my house because mm-hmm. I, I, I also skate. Um, skateboarded a lot growing mm-hmm. up, and I built a ramp next door, you know, like to my house. Uh-huh. My mom comes home from work, and like this is like you know we we took wood from construction site like mm-hmm. dumpster and fabbed together this like what we thought was a half pipe, and mm-hmm. like it was pretty janky. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom comes home from work, and she see like we didn't I didn't ask like it was just like oh cool like we saw like escape video and we want to make a ramp mm-hmm. so we built this ramp my mom comes home and she looks at it and she's like alright well you're going to need a helmet and she bought me my echo helmet the next day it wasn't like oh tear down the ramp you know like what do you think yeah. you're doing you guys are going to kill yourself it was just right, like alright right, you're going to need a helmet like and that's, oh the, that's the deal gosh. like you want to yeah. skate you got to wear you, you know you got to wear a helmet um, 
when I started riding BMX, like, um, I got a, like, when I actually started racing, mm-hmm. and I got, like, an actual Echo helmet, like, uh-huh. I thought it was cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, man, this thing's really cool. I got the trolley visor, like, I want to wear it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I I still kept that as uh, for, like, when I'm going racing. Mm-hmm. We had uh, we had jumps when we first started Oak Park, um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the earlier crews. We had this uh, four pack, and mm-hmm. my friend James Olowski at the time, um, mm-hmm. who I was one of the guys I grew up with, and uh, he nose cased the second set, and I mean this is like rollable four pack, like mm-hmm. but he he nose cased it and went down. And landed on the side of his head and slid. And he tore his ear. Mm. Like, and God. he tore a piece of his ear down and he had to, like, get it sewn, you know, yeah. got him to the hospital, had to get it sewn on, had to get a little bit of plastic surgery because it got mangled and everything. Jeez. And, like, I was there for that. And I was just like, you could smell, like, the burnt hair. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, well, I'm wearing a helmet, like, right. <laughs> and so that was like that was the kind of like the start. It was just like, all right, wear your helmet because you don't want right. to get jacked up. And then like, I started when I started wearing it. I just started feeling like you feel a certain confidence in it. Uh-huh. And when I didn't wear it, that's when I was just like, oh well, I, there's certain tricks I want to try or certain yeah. jumps I want to do. So just naturally having it on, sure, you know, was was cool. You know what? I'm I'm actually looking through this and thinking. Uh, are you still going to to Richmond? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I am planning on going for to the Richmond. for the retreat. Maybe yeah. we're not supposed to say. Maybe everyone doesn't know about this retreat. Um, I've got an idea, and hopefully all the listeners will will agree. Uh, there's a lot of really good stuff on here left. Uh, we could probably, not probably, I know we could do it uh, in Richmond, finish the last part, um, and then do it, finish it as a part two. Okay. Uh, I don't want to take away from all the great stuff that you talked about, which is amazing, uh, by rushing through this. I, I'm sorry, I don't want to take away from this because we took our time with, with the injury part and the family part. Your sisters, your awesome sisters, your awesome parents. Uh, I feel like we really have to rush through this. There's in there, they're good questions, really good questions. A lot of FBM questions. Okay. Oak Park questions. Cool. Uh, just so many, so many good questions from the guys, and, and then of course the uh, the uh, the miscellaneous. I didn't know where to put them. Questions. <laughs> um, well, I'm always so, down for a Q and A. Yeah, I just. Like I said, don't want to rush this part. No problem. And uh, sometimes and I'm a little long-winded about, I, about my answers. There, so. there, I can't believe what we talked about and how it's amazing. It's amazing to hear you talk about it. And and uh, if you went shorter on that, life wouldn't be the same for a lot of people <laughs> that are going to listen to this because you you really you hit. Everything, your lowest of lows, the highest of highs, and uh, a, a lot of it through just the injury part. Yeah, just the injury story. Yeah. So, 
I'd rather uh, rather finish this other stuff after. Um, and yeah, people are just gonna have to. You know, if you don't like part two, sorry, <laughs> because this part one is it is really important. And I also think uh, hopefully it was helpful for you to talk about for one, uh, but I know it'll be helpful for for people that listen. Uh, I absolutely think so. Well, awesome. So, yeah. And if anyone, you know, ever needs or wants to reach out and, you know, talk about anything in their lives, just, you know, you can get in touch with me anytime, you know, yeah. whether you hit me up on, you know, Facebook or Instagram or, mm-hmm. or give me a phone call. Like, mm-hmm. not going to give up my number right now, but <laughs> no. <laughs> come reach me and just want to talk. Like, right, you know, right. Down to talk to anybody. Well, that's, that's, Super nice of you too, and uh, and I'm sure people will take up on that. Um, I heard a story and and saw the tear in your eye, tears multiple, had me on the edge there for for a bit. Uh, so, yeah, that's it's, <laughs> and it's one of the things that like, as boys and as men, we're often told to kind of hide our hide our emotions or suck things up mm-hmm. or not really express things um in the in a manner that you know is i guess you know there's, there's an idea of weakness you mm-hmm. know and i know that i've cried more as an adult than i did as a kid mm-hmm. through this um that you know, like that fall I had allowed me to be like, you know what? If you have an emotion, happiness, sadness, feel it, you know, like mm-hmm. it is okay. And it feels good to get a cry out, you know, like mm-hmm. you have a lot, we all have a lot of pent up things. And sometimes like, you know, that release, you, you sometimes you don't even know why you have a sadness in you mm-hmm. or like that something's affecting you. And like, you know, you, comes out in different ways you know sometimes we take it out through riding you know that's like our you know, sometimes it's aggression you know but you know, it's all right to to it's all right dudes to cry you know it's all right to be vulnerable you know it's all right to be sad like not letting yourself experience the thing uh, the emotions is mm-hmm. more detrimental to your sure. your, your health yeah absolutely it uh I always tell people they're like, oh, keep it good with the good work on the podcast. And I said, I, I don't know, you know, how you possibly think I'm good at this, but thank you. You know, it's very nice of you. Uh, but I, I do think that part of the reason, maybe, if I am good at this, uh, I'm very sensitive to uh, a lot of hurt. Um, I've had. If anyone ever podcasts me, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it completely, but uh, so I give you a lot of credit on that end for sure. But um, it's, I'm very sensitive to it because I had some pretty tough times and uh, still do. And um, I guess I can say safely that I, I can relate. I, I agree 100%, and I. I don't want to do podcasts that are, that don't, podcasts that, that lack, uh, 
feeling that lack passion. Well, I think you do an amazing podcast. Yeah, I'm honored that you asked me to to be on one, um, and I'm glad that I can you know, you know, share and contribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, th- I mean, there are a bunch of different BMX podcasts, mm-hmm. and each one you know will serve its serves its purpose and may have a directive or audience and you know yours you know I feel as though tells the stories of a lot of BMXers that it isn't the it isn't always the glamorous side of BMX you know Mm -hmm. like it is what you know it's like what real lives are you Mm -hmm. know and um, you know like you said hearing other people's stories like really helps you know with your own perspective and um yeah let you know that hey man we're, we're all in this together mm-hmm. i agree 100 percent. you know before before we started recording tonight um we we were talking about just that and i intended on doing this in the beginning because i wanted to uh get some incredible people like yourself on the east coast get get your stories out uh, and you know that's why I'm, I'm. It's it's gone very very well. Uh, have a couple not gone as well as I'd hope. Yeah, of course. I mean that's just it's life. Right. You know, it, it it's fine. Uh, but this, what happened tonight with you and I talking, is. Thank God this is the first one I've I've done since I just took the month off. Uh, because I feel really good about taking the month off and choosing you to to kickstart it again, but at a different pace and with more thought. So, um, so thank you for for being the first one of the second half of my life, my podcast life. <laughs> so, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> if that makes sense, uh, if that makes sense, that's that's uh, that's what I think is happening. And um, so yeah, we'll finish this up and. Uh, and just so so people know, uh, it will be down at at Swamp Fest, and uh, um, <laughs> I, I I gotta tell you, I can't wait to interview this guy. But I'm gonna interview uh, Fids. Oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing! Yeah. So that will be a lot of fun, and uh, and I'm gonna be uh, interviewing Jimmy Levan with uh, with Chris Chris Rye is gonna sit in on it. So of course the Jimmy Levan. Uh, uh, documentaries being uh, premiered there, the Go Fast Pull Up. So uh, those are two two fun ones to look forward to, and and those are those are heavy ones too. Um, so but the, they'll always be fun, heavy and fun. So uh, so anyway, that's what's coming up. Uh huh. <laughs> they do, they do. Well, we're gonna talk a bit about music, a little bit about everything, and that's the reason I don't want to rush through this okay. part tonight. But. Cool. Uh, Awesome. Couple more weeks, I'll see you, and we'll uh, we'll just we'll finish it up. But in the meantime, guys that are going to hear this, guys and gals, I mean all you, all of you, uh, enjoy it and um, and uh, think, just think. I know there's a lot of people out there that uh, that will uh, benefit from this. So uh, really reflect after listening, and I think you'll you'll get to the get to a good place. So thank you for part one, John. Thank you for I having me, I appreciate it. Hey, anytime, anytime. 
It was uh, worked out perfectly. All right. We'll see you guys in part two. That's right. On the other side. That's right. Thank you.